Show on the Big X. Sportos, motorheads, geek bloods, wastoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. Alright. Alright. Alright, alright, alright. Alright, alright. Welcome everybody, it is Monday, February 12th, this is the Mike Rutherford Show, coming to you as always from the world-famous University of Louisville College of Business Studios, here in the heart of sunny Louisville, Kentucky. Cars fans, if you're looking for a competitive advantage in today's data-driven world, look no further than your Master's in Business Analytics from the University of Louisville, something you can get in just 12 months. There's no previous coding experience required. You can delve into the world of analytics and data visualization, learning essential tools like R, Python, Power BI, Machine learning and more now available both online and in person. To get started or learn more, visit business.louisville.edu today. We're on the air from 3.05 until 6 here on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM. Streaming all over the planet Earth and beyond. You know what's better as the Big X. Mike Rutherford here. Uh, for a very jam-packed Monday edition, it's always jam-packed on Monday this time of the year, but especially when you've got men's and women's basketball both making some headlines over the weekend you got Super Bowl and everything that comes with that. you got the Super Bowl halftime show and everything that comes with that. you got all sorts of news happening all over the world of sports and beyond. We're going to cover it all for the next three hours. We've got young Trey Ryan from Cluckers in the house uh, back here again on a Monday. Trey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing fantastic. Now, Super Bowl for you, young college lad. Are you struggling a little bit on this Monday? Uh, you know, we took it kind of easy. It uh, wasn't anything too crazy. I'm doing okay. I had class early this morning, so that's about the only thing that's getting me down. That's not good. I I love that every time the Super Bowl rolls around now, we're flooded with everybody having the same take about, like, why don't we get the Monday after the Super Bowl? It should be a national holiday. It I'm should. Like, well, yeah, of course it should. But, like, you know, are we just going to keep doing this every year? It's, it's never going to happen. No. But we do have President's Day coming up, which is nice. Uh, you guys, so low-key, laid-back Super Bowl party. That sounds kind of weird. Yeah. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like that. I'm living vicariously through you. It's not. I was hoping for a little bit more. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to disappoint. Yeah, it's okay. But, yeah. Shake it off. I, I was especially hoping to live vicariously through you today because, first of all, we were not on the air on Friday, and I kind of gave a little bit of a teaser on Thursday, saying this is this is a possibility because we've been dealing with flu apocalypse in my house for almost a week now, and I, I'm not going to lie to you. It's been it's been rough. And I say this is the only person who's been like kind of not having the flu symptoms in my house. So uh, it started on Wednesday. I, I said this on the air. I think uh, I think Scooch wasn't on Wednesday, and I was like, it was like five o'clock hour. And I feel like every time we have one of these gigantic illnesses in my house, it starts the same way. Like Mary texts me 
on the air, five o'clock hour, that like John's not feeling well and sends a picture of him being asleep, which is very like he he doesn't sleep at five o'clock. So that happened, and I was like, here we go. About five minutes later, like literally five minutes later, we get the alert from his school saying a kid in his class had to leave school earlier today, went to the doctor, he's got the flu. So it's going around. I'm like, I wanted to cuss on the air. Because mm. you know it's coming. Like, you, you, we're all going to get it at that point. The flu's going around. Yeah. He's got it. This is this is going to it's suck. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. Exactly. And it has... It, it it has sucked. It, it's been the last like five days have been sort of like a fever dream for me. I, I'm still not really sure what day it is. I can't remember things that happened over the weekend. Like John has it bad on Wednesday night. Thursday he's terrible. Like, like he's just very clearly a little boy with the flu. Like just pathetic. Like can't move around. He's sweating a ton, uh, burning up. You know we're, we're feeding him the medicine. Every now and then he shows like a little bit of sign of life. And then Thursday night, Mary and Virginia start. Showing the signs, like they're like, uh, it's it's coming. So I'm like, Jesus Christ. So I'm just kind of hoping, like, you know, at this point, like, I'm gonna get it. It's just a matter of like, can I be the one who's like semi healthy enough to take care of everybody else for a few days, and then when right. I get it, hopefully Mary's good enough that I can just like yeah. sleep a lot. Like that's the new goal. Just stagger it a little bit. Exactly. Like yeah, if, yeah. if we're if we're both all sick at the exact same time, there's nothing we can do. We're we're just helpless. So <sighs> trying to keep track of days now. So Friday, like Mary's out of commission. She's done. Can't get out of bed. Can't do anything. She's like on the verge of death. Like she's feeling terrible. Virginia's pretty bad. John's showing a little bit of signs of life. Like every now and then he's he's okay. So and people are like, we've well, got to stay away. Like do whatever you can to not get it yourself. I'm like, I've got. I'm the only parent basically that's active in this house who has a, a two year old and a four year old. I can't stay away from. Mm-mm. It's kind of hard to parent. No. So the kids are like literally on top of me the entire day. And, and again, I'm just kind of waiting. Saturday, Mary's still terrible. Virginia's still pretty bad. John's still you know, showing signs. Everybody's just like coughing directly into my face, like spitting on me. It's horrible. It's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a terrible situation. It's awful. Like I'm not getting sleep. I'm not getting any work done. I'm not, I'm not accomplishing anything. But I feel like I'm keeping it together as best I can. Like I, I feel like I'm doing a good job, being the only semi-healthy person in the house. And I, I feel like my mind is right until the end of Saturday night. So. The UofL game happens, which we're going to talk about, obviously. I, I I get to watch probably less of the game than I ever have in my entire life. Like I, I watched it, but every five seconds, somebody's asking me to do something. I think there was a food run at some point. Mm. It's terrible. And towards the end of the game, I my food, I, I door dashed, like second night in a row. Desperate times call for desperate measures. Yep. You got to do what you got to do. do. It. Yep. So I, I've, I've door dashed dinner for the second night in a row. And I'm very excited. I, I got the eagle. I got fried chicken. I got all this stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped about it. So I get it. The game's got like six minutes left. And I go to put it on the counter in our kitchen, and there's like a tiny glass bowl that I don't see on the the edge of the counter. Oh, no. Hit it with the bag of food, knocks it off. And when I say shattered, I'm not being hyperbolic. Like, this wasn't just, oh, he broke a glass. It broke into like four or five big pieces. This is like hundreds of, of tiny pieces of glass all over the hard kitchen floor. Mm, just dust. Turned to dust. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> and I came very close to having my mommy dearest, like, no wire hangers moment where I just like I, I I felt myself going to a dark place where I'm like I don't like I, I need to just go for a drive I, I need to just go somewhere else but you can't do that so I'm cl- I'm on my hands and knees I'm picking up millions of tiny pieces of glass I'm going over the whole floor with a wet paper towel I'm vacuuming it like 50 billion times I'm trying to make sure that everything's up I, I feel good about it Louisville wins I'm write not- that up start eating dinner 
Mary comes out. She's trying to get Virginia down to sleep. They're sleeping in the same bed. Like I'm, I'm kind of like at least at night. I'm sequestering myself upstairs. I slept with John on Thursday because he was so sick and we were so worried about him. But I've kind of just sequestered myself. So Mary comes out. She needs to get like a cup of milk for Virginia, and she feels like she stepped on a piece of glass. Well, she, she first of all, she's not. She's like just is going to get a quick piece of glass uh, of milk, glass of milk. John comes over to give her a hug. Falls, hits his head on the wall. She has to pick him up then at that point, like carry him over to like the couch to sit down. She steps on a tiny piece of glass. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, like nothing can go right right now. And I'm having flashbacks of a couple of years ago before her sister's wedding. She slept, stepped on like a tiny piece of glass at our house. We drove all the way down to Hilton Head and she was like, I'm not gonna be able to walk in this wedding. Like it's terrible. She has to go to like the hospital. They find this like miniature piece of glass and, and like pull it out. So I'm like terrified that we're not gonna be able to find it. She finds it with the the flashlight. She takes out the piece of twi- with, with tweezers, like Christ is averted there. But still, I'm, I'm like, gee, like the glass. Were we ever gonna get this glass up? It, it was a whole catastrophe. Uh, Saturday night, and then Sunday, yesterday, not that much better. There, she's still not feeling good. Uh, the kids are still kind of doing rough. They didn't go to school today. We had no childcare the Friday or Monday, no school. So it's just been, I don't. My my head's not in a good place right now. But. If there is good news, I somehow have managed to avoid getting like the, these terrible symptoms. I'm still kind of like waiting for just to get hit with it all. But so far, it's been okay. I've just been like hammering vitamin C, constantly shoving like the, the, the X-Lear spray up my nose, trying to just make sure that I'm covering all my bases because I just I don't want to get this. But it's been, man, I've said this before and I'll say it again. You hear about like the lack of sleep. You hear about not being able to do as much social stuff as, as you're used to when you have kids and all this stuff. The one aspect of being a parent that I just completely underrated was how much everybody was going to be sick. And, and like just since John started school in the fall, I mean, we've had strep. I, I say we because I've had it too. Hand, foot, and mouth. And now flu all over the house, which I, I, I somehow have not gotten yet, but feel like I, I probably will at some point. We tested, I mean, we made sure it wasn't COVID. Mary tested a couple times. John tested a couple times. wasn't RSV, uh, just standard flu. But, my God, like, it's just, if anything can go wrong health-wise, it's gone wrong. And we're still standing, though. We're still here. We're fighting another day. We're going to try to make it, Trey. We got to. It's been rough, but we are here we're to talk. Here. Yeah. We're here to talk Louisville sports for the next three hours, uh, hopefully. I say this, like, I can't wait till, like, 4.30. I start just, like, breaking out in a sweat and fever. <laughs> I've got to leave. Uh, but so far, again, so good. But it was a it was a stressful weekend, but it was a good weekend overall. We'll start with the Super Bowl from last night because it's the most fresh in everybody's mind outside of the, I guess, the Syracuse screw job on the women's basketball side of things. Um, first of all, everyone was freaking out about how bad of a game it was in the first half and, and really deep into the fourth quarter. And I get it. You've got fumbles. You've got low scoring. You've got extra points being blocked. Uh, kind of poor play on both sides, and all I could think of the entire time was, "Don't we, we do this every year? Where it's like this game sucks. Give me the." And I'm like, "It all it, the way that we remember Super Bowls is 95 percent based on how it ends. If the ending's great, we remember it as a great game, or certainly as a, a memorable game. If the ending just becomes like a, eh, people say well, it, was, it was a great game, but the you know at the end of the day, 10 point win, not one of the greatest Super Bowls of all time. So sure enough." It's just close enough. It's just close enough that we have the chance to make a little bit of history. Overtime game, almost the first double overtime game in the history of the Super Bowl. Uh, the new Super Bowl rules come into play, which I think 
the bulk of America didn't know. I, I put myself kind of in that category. I'd sort of forgotten this, the the overtime rules. I think Tony Romo didn't know the, the overtime rules. But, Trey, if we're just talking broadly, lame start to the Super Bowl, great finish. Scale of 1 to 10, where, where, where are you putting this one? How, how will you remember the Super Bowl for the 2023 season? You know, I, I, it was, it, like you said, it was boring at the start, but it ended up being okay. So, I mean, kind of just middle of the road for me. It's not like, it's not, it's probably not going to, st- when I look back on it, it's probably not going to stand out very much at all um, with like some games that are, you know, closer sure. all the way through, but um, I mean, or more exciting all the way through rather, but I don't know. It was kind of, it was boring. So, I mean, for me, it was just kind of like, you know, mid, I guess. You could boring, say. but memorable. Yeah. I think yeah, you have yeah, to yeah. say, because you I mean the, the Taylor Swift thing, the, the yeah. Travis Kelsey yeah, yeah, thing, yeah. the all, like all that stuff too. I mean, the, the Chiefs dynasty thing is a big yeah. part of this. And you do have to, first of all, the Lions would have won by 43 points last night. That's already been established. That's all I could think of last night. It did hit me harder than I thought in the first half about just how much it sucked not being able to watch the Lions in that game when they came so close to making it happen. It especially hurt when the Chiefs, you know, Mahomes and Kelsey and yeah, Pacheco Pacheco, and, and all these just elite offensive weapons not doing anything against that 49ers defense. And I'm like, we went up and down the field on these dudes the entire right. first half of that game. Like, that was frustrating to watch. That was setting it in. But as the game went on, and I'm sure I wasn't alone in having this thought. I'm sure the bulk of people watching had the same thought. You're like, it feels like the 49ers have statistically dominated this game. It feels like they've controlled the line of scrimmage. They're the ones making the more explosive plays. But they're not leading by a whole lot. And now they got some guys getting hurt. And the Chiefs are just kind of hanging around. And they've got Patrick Mahomes. I can kind of see how this one's going to end. Like, like that was my thought the entire time. I also only made two bets on this game. I bet the under, and then I bet I, I parlayed the under with the Chiefs money line. And I'm thinking the entire day, like I'm 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 golden. Now I, I got it at 47 instead of 47 and a half, which ended up sucking because I I pushed on that bet, and then the parlay I only won the part of the bet with the Chiefs money line. But for most of the night, I'm thinking like I'm, I'm making bank here. This is going to be great. Low scoring. Chiefs are going to wind up pulling this thing out with a crazy Mahomes drive or something along those lines. But it's just like there was something not popping in the, the, the first half, the, the, the first, whatever, two and a half quarters that you just knew eventually was going to pop for the Chiefs. Right. And they figured stuff out. Travis Kelsey starts doing Travis Kelsey stuff. Also, I mean, pushing Andy Reid, I feel like not getting talked about nearly as much as I thought it was at the time. I mean, when that happens, I don't know if you were like me, like when, when that, they showed like him pushing Andy Reid, I'm like, well, this is going to be the talking point all over the world tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I agreed. I thought that that's what all we were going to be talking about. I mean, if, I, if, if it was me, I wouldn't have put him back in the game. I don't care if it's the Super Bowl or not. It's like, a weird thing. I mean, like we're just kind of glossing over the yeah, fact that he yeah. basically shoved his head coach and right, yelled at him right, for not right. having him in the game on a goal line play. And a- afterwards, yeah, he, he didn't like, a, I thought maybe he'd be apologetic about it. But he did not apologize. He got interviewed on ESPN, and he was kind of like, you know, he said it was a family discussion. You know, I, I was telling him how much I respect him, and and Reed also downplayed it. I was like, imagine if Lamar Jackson had done that to to Harbaugh. Uh, I mean, it's the it's the number one story on every news show in yeah. America today, and people, he's not, he's not a true leader. He's a thug, like like all, all this stuff, and it was, it's it's Travis Kelsey, so it just kind of got like, he can eh, do whatever he wants, I guess. Yeah. I guess it, it was. I, I was very surprised that, that didn't get more buzz. But that was like the most eventful thing that happened in the first half outside of some of the turnovers and the Niners not taking advantage of those turnovers. And then 
First of all, did you know? Did you know the new overtime rules? Um, I was aware, but I wasn't like one hundred percent sure that they were like in effect. You know what I mean? I was aware that they were a thing, but I wasn't like fully sure that they were in effect last night. I was kind of the same way. Like, I, I, it, it took a while. They kind of glossed over them at the beginning of overtime, and I wasn't really paying that much attention. I was kind of like, oh yeah, I know, I know the overtime rules. And then at, when they were doing the coin toss, I was like, is it the same? I, I know they changed something, but I can't remember exactly what it is. And it, yeah, of course, as it, it turns out, both teams now get a possession regardless. It used to be back in the day, and still is for the regular season, if, if the team that has the ball at the beginning of overtime goes down there and scores a touchdown, game's over. If they kick a field goal, the other team has a chance to match them or score their own touchdown and win the game. But now in the playoffs, the, the rule since 2022 is that it doesn't matter if the first team scores a touchdown, the other team gets a chance to possess the ball and match them, uh, and then they play from there. The decision to take the ball, I didn't think twice about it at the time, but as the, the, the overtime progressed, and I'm like, oh yeah, I kind of remember the rules now, you realize it's sort of doing the opposite of what they do in college. Now, I don't think it's as cut and dry as some people are, are claiming it is. Like It's because the, the rules are not exactly like college football, where every team is going to get um, the, the same amount of possessions for the entirety of overtime. If it goes two overtimes, like you're going to get to go. And, and Shanahan's rationale, I thought, was actually decent after the game. You know, he said, we were thinking about that third possession. Because if we go down there and score a touchdown, and the Chiefs go down there and score a touchdown, or we kick a field goal and the Chiefs kick a field goal, after that point, there's no longer any equality. It's the next point. It's sudden death. The next point wins. So we were thinking the big advantage is having that third possession. The issue with that is you've got to get there. And right. the Chiefs had the advantage of knowing exactly what they needed on their on their first possession of overtime. It's why they were able to go for it on fourth down. If you, you know, fourth down deep in their own territory, if you're the one, if the Niners have been in that, in that exact same situation, they have to think seriously about punting it. And it, like, they knew that they could tie the game with a field goal or go down there and win it with a touchdown. So it was, it was, I don't think it's as cut and dry as a lot of people are making it out to be. But the other thing that was so crazy about overtime is nobody knew the clock rules. Like, I, I, did, I had no idea the clock rules. Like, I, I was thinking if it runs out at the end of overtime, like, it's, it's over. And the Chiefs are just kind of sauntering down the field as the clock gets under a minute. And I think everybody across the country is kind of freaking out. And it got so bad, like, Tony Romo is, he's essentially addressing the clock rule to the entire American public as what would wind up being the, the game-winning play is happening. So he didn't even get to, like, build up, like, this could be for the Super Bowl here, because he's talking about, like, hey, if, if this ends, it's just the first overtime, and we go to the second overtime and all this stuff. And then Mikhail Hardman winds up catching an easy touchdown pass. So it just it, the the whole thing felt a little bizarre. It just felt awkward. The the whole overtime. Yeah, I, I just yeah. It was it was very very strange. It was a little bit clunky. Um, yeah. I, I don't I don't know. It was memorable for sure, but very very strange as well. Um, the other thing that came up. Did did you see the thing about the prediction of double overtime before the game even started? No, I did not. So, Adam Schefter had sent this tweet out, I guess, like, five days before, six days before the game. It was during, like, the week kickoff festivities uh, in Las Vegas there. And nobody really paid that much attention to it at the time. But the CBS Sports chairman, Sean McManus, was talking about, you know, there, there are all these, this talk about the script and the NFL being rigged and the conspiracy theory, you know, that Taylor Swift is some sort of government plant and all this stuff. And McManus made a joke during their like their, their week kickoff press conference 
about how the NFL has let us know that for the first time ever, we're going to have a double overtime game in the Super Bowl. Just very much a throwaway joke and ha-ha, all this stuff. And then they come very close to having a double overtime game in the Super Bowl, which would have been uh, you know, one of the wildest things of all time, and you would have had people absolutely doing conspiracy radio for the next week and a half. Uh, but that was pretty crazy. The fact that it did at the end of regulation come down to potentially a touchdown throw to Travis Kelsey would have also just set people off for the entire week. You would have had conspiracy radio. Like, this was the plan all along. And, of course, it was going to be Kelsey and Taylor Swift on the field and all this stuff. And it's just the whole thing is rigged. It's a wild, wild thing. But eventually, I think that most people would just say, hey, it was, it was, there was no conspiracy at play. Although the Chiefs did win. I'm not buying the conspiracy element. I don't think that if you're drawing up some sort of elaborate script that Mikael Hardman is going to <laughs> is going to be the one who winds up catching a wide open touchdown pass. But the Chiefs have now won what their third Super Bowl in 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 four years. Is it a dynasty, Trey Ryan? Are you buying the dynasty talk? Yeah, yeah. You, it's almost, I think you have to. It's right? almost undeniable at this point. Yeah, you have to. As, as annoying as I find the Chiefs at time. I think you have to buy the dynasty talk, and and there were some wild stats that came out of uh, out of last night's game, namely this one. Since 2019, the Chiefs are five and one when trailing by ten or more points at any point in the playoffs. The rest of the NFL, six and 48 in that same situation over that span, which is just nuts. Nuts. Yeah, they trailed in what in all three of their Super Bowl wins. They trailed by ten points at one point in time. Um, the Eagles led them ten nothing. The Niners back in 2020. Led them by ten in the fourth quarter. The Niners led them ten uh, nothing last night. It's a it's a crazy thing, and I think that again, as annoyed as I am by the Chiefs, they had statistically the hardest route to a Super Bowl championship of all time. You know, they played the Bills, who were a higher seeded team, the, the two seed in the semifinals of the AFC, the the on the road. They're also a team. You know, they had the whole talk about Mahomes had never won on the road. All this stuff. They played then. The only real consistently dominant team in the NFL the entire season, and certainly in the, the the AFC, the Ravens on the road to win the conference championship. And then they get the best team out of the NFC, the number one seed there in the 49ers uh, in the Super Bowl. So it's not like they didn't earn it. They got the toughest uh, test at every step of the way, and they got it done. Patrick Mahomes, I mean, six years as a starting quarterback now. And he's already won three Super Bowls and played in what four? Like whatever he's doing is just absolutely outrageous. Um, and, and I think that you're you're starting to see yeah, six AFC Championship games, four Super Bowl appearances, three Super Bowl wins, three Super Bowl MVPs, two regular season MVPs, six times a Pro Bowler, two times a first team, team All Pro, and second time uh, one time a second team All Pro. He's doing this thing which I, I hadn't really thought about until I saw somebody else pointed out last night, where Michael Jordan kind of invalidated the careers of a lot of his contemporaries because he just, like, nobody else ever won. And so you had a lot of guys who probably could have been remembered as more NBA legends than they actually wound up being just because they didn't get championships or they didn't get enough championships. You, know, you think about the Carl Malones of that era, the Charles Barkleys of that era. Like, Jordan just didn't allow any room on the stage with him. And Mahomes is kind of doing the same thing when you look at the the current crop of uh, elite quarterbacks, you know, with Josh Allen, with Lamar Jackson, 
I don't think you want to throw Brock Purdy into that crowd, but if you want to with Brock Purdy, like he's not sharing the spotlight at all. He's hogging all the championships for himself. The only per- other person who's won a-, a Super Bowl in the last four years is Matt Stafford, who you know, ha- has this kind of bizarre year in Los Angeles where he gets traded for the first time after a lengthy career with the Lions and gets him over the hump, but he's not going to be remembered in the same light as a guy like Patrick Mahomes. This young crop of, of quarterbacks that's coming up, and now they're not just coming up, they're supposed to be in their prime. I mean, Lamar's 27, uh, Josh Allen's, what, 26, 27, uh, maybe 28? They're all, like, getting into their late 20s now. This is when they're supposed to be making their moves. This is when they're supposed to be establishing their lifetime legacies, and instead, it's just kind of all Patrick Mahomes. And, and I do worry that as somebody who openly roots for Lamar Jackson, we're going to look back and we're going to say, damn, I mean, he was he was incredible. He won the MVP multiple times, uh, won all these games, the Ravens, his record as a starter, uh, the, the All-Pro, like all this stuff. And he's never going to have that Super Bowl because he just happened to be existing at the exact same time as a guy who may go down as the best to ever do it at the quarterback position or certainly one of the best to do it at the quarterback position. Mahomes, uh, he's a real deal, man. I I can complain about his whining all I want. He's he's who he is for a reason, and that was on full display last night. Never makes the big mistake. He the, the, there was the play where they clearly had designed to go for the kill shot to win the game. It's not there. He dumps it down like he makes that move correctly ninety nine percent of the time. Now, he threw a pick early on in the game, settled down late, ended up I mean throwing the ball forty six times, completed thirty four of them. He was fantastic. He was brilliant. He's always brilliant, it seems like, at least in the playoffs, and that's becoming his legacy. Uh, it's, it's pretty unreal what he's doing right now. I tell you what, let's take a break. When we come back, we will talk about the the men's basketball team, their victory over the weekend. Has Does it change things? Are we back to where we were? I know what the conversation is. We can discuss that. We'll get into that after the break. It's the Mike Rutherford Show on a Monday edition here on 1450 and 96.1, The Big X. What's poppin'? Brand new whip, just hopped in. I got options. I can pass that it's like Stockton. Just joshing. I'm spending this holiday locked in. My body got rid of them toxins. Sports in the top ten. I can put the ball in the end zone, put a bad in the friend zone. Sound like an intro, Jess on. Give me that tempo. All right, welcome back in. Post-Super Bowl, post-weekend edition of the Mike Rutherford Show here on a Monday on 1450 and 96.1, the Big X. I get a ton of just random media emails all the time from people who clearly don't know what type of, of show I do or what I write about on, on the internet, and usually I just ignore them. But I had to. Op- I, I just happened to see one and open it during the break, and I kind of want to do this as a segment this week. Here we go. Hi, Mike. As Kentucky's skunk mating season is here, our four-legged friends are re-emerging, ready to spray their way around town because they tend to shelter in basements, sheds, and under foundations and porches and have one of nature's most potent smells. Skunk odor can last for days, weeks, even months. Peter Duncanson at Service Master Restore, shameless plug, is available to provide tips that will ensure success in eliminating smoke uh, skunk odor that may linger in homes. 
Blah, 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 blah. Please let me know if you're interested in covering the topic of how Kentucky residents can learn how to eliminate skunk odor. Happy to set up a conversation at your earliest convenience. I kind of think we need to do this on the show this week. Trey, should we have a skunk odor expert on the show on maybe like Thursday? I, we could, I think we could squeeze that in. We could squeeze it. What else do we have to do? <laughs> Nothing else going on. It's fine. Games on Tuesday, perfect for Thursday. The one thing uh, about Super Bowl that we have not discussed yet that I, I promise we'll get to basketball right after this the halftime show has to be discussed. We signed a contract to sports radio show host that we're going to bring up and discuss the, the halftime show at long length, or at least at medium length. It was Usher. It was right in my wheelhouse. Trey, you're, you're, you're too young to have experienced the the glory of Usher in his heyday in like the, the mid-2000s. What did you think of the halftime show, though, as a young See, a lot of my friends like weren't necessarily big fans of it, but I thought it was good. I didn't, I didn't have a problem with it at all. I, I know a little bit of Usher, and I thought I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good show. And he's like pretty uh, old to be able to move like that, so I respected it. I thought it was good. I enjoyed it, but again, it's right. My like, this is a guy who, when he came out with um, like like nice and slow Usher and um, my way Usher, like I, I was in like seventh grade. I remember it. Like vividly, him becoming like a big thing, and then he was around throughout high school, and then in college, Confessions, like the, I mean, I think which I think is still the best-selling album of the 2000s that that decade, the aughts, uh, came out my freshman year of college, and he was it was a huge deal, and you know, yeah, it was the biggest song of like 2004, and he was around for a couple of years then, but like, I do now forget. I think my my old uh, colleague Roger Sherman, he puts out a tweet and and he retweets it every single year now because it's been the case for the last three or four like people my age I, I think when we see who's performing like when it's Usher and it's Rihanna and you know Justin Timberlake or whoever we, we do this thing where in our minds we're like thank goodness they're not doing a show for old people like you know <laughs> the who or the Grateful Dead or you know it's one of those people they're finally doing a halftime show for us the young people and then it's like oh crap like like we realize we have become the olds and the, the group of college kids now that are like, you know, why the hell should we care about Usher? But I thought it was a good halftime show. The only part where he kind of screwed up a little bit was the the roller skates. Uh, little stumble there. Looked like he might go down on the skates. Also, he tried to go through a guy's legs at one point. Didn't really make it that clean. But like you said, this is like a he's in his mid-40s now. He's doing the best he can. He still has moves. Still can dance. Still can sing. Uh, when Luda came out, I think everybody who's like in, in their late, mid-30s, Screamed a little bit. That was wonderful. Very much enjoyed that. The little John portion in the in the crowd was great as well. I, th- I thought it was good. Not the, the mixing quality was a little bit off. The sound quality was a little bit off, but I thought he did about all he could. I thought it was a, a good halftime show. On Saturday, U of L men's basketball team, victorious at home over the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, and the conversation that we thought we were going to have to have is now going to be had for the for, for the next few weeks because I'm telling you now, I will tell you again. If you think that 6 and 14 in the ACC is going to is a conversation that's going to make things weird, he's going to make it weird, folks. We're not done. On Friday's show, we we had uh, I think Scoots and I or whoever, no, Friday was off. So Thursday Scoots was in. We were talking about the last 8 games of the Louisville men's basketball season. I said I think they're going to go 4 and 4. They're going to win 4 of these games. And then I've been calling my shot for weeks now. I stand by it. They're going to win at least one game in the in the ACC tournament. To me, it's not enough to make things weird and to not even make this a decision. But for a lot of people, it is. And that's absolutely what's going to happen. Now, for the bulk of, of Saturday night's game, 
I was sitting here thinking this isn't going to be a, the conversation. All the positive momentum that they had from the win over Florida State, the the solid offensive output, but ultimately the heartbreak against Syracuse, it seemed to be it was going to come crashing to a halt Saturday night because Georgia Tech is not good. There's and I wrote this in the preview on Card Chronicle. They don't do anything particularly well, and with Louisville finally starting to flex its talent a little bit in recent weeks, playing offensively the way that they've been playing against much better competition than Georgia Tech. And with this game being at home, there was no real reason for them not to win that game. I don't want to invalidate the win, but it was a game they were favored for a reason. And for the first, what, 32 minutes, 34 minutes of the game, it's looking like we're going to go right back to having the conversations that we were having for for most of January and certainly in November and December where it's like they're just not good. They're not coached well. They don't come with the right mentality. They don't do anything particularly well. This is a colossal failure. We just have to move on. To this team's credit, they just don't stop playing hard. They don't play well all the time. They didn't play well for most of the game on Saturday night. And there are times where they make just unforgivable mistakes. And there are times where I think they look a little bit hesitant because they don't know what they're supposed to be doing. But they never really, they're not dogging it the way that they were at times in December, I think, and certainly the way that last year's team was, they always play hard. And that the motor alone kind of kept them in the game. Caleb Glenn's going to be talked about a lot on today's show. I'm sure you guys will bring him up on the text line. Keeping so many plays alive, finishing with 15 points and 13 rebounds, and really 95% of that production was just motor. Nine of his 13 rebounds were on the offensive end. He had two really key plays that I thought changed the momentum of the game. There were two times where Tech was up by two, and then I think the second time uh, Louisville was up by, w- w- the game was tied. And it seemed like Tech was had just gotten a gigantic defensive stop, and then Caleb just makes a, you know, taps the ball, taps the ball, keeps it alive, throws it back into a teammate, and we ended up scoring on both those possessions. It happened more than just those two times, but those two times specifically, I, I thought really gave us the chance to, to kind of break Georgia Tech's will. And that's what wound up happening. You know, we're down by by eight points with just over six minutes to go, and you're thinking, this is it's pathetic again. How's Tech coming in here and beating us with this team? How are we not guarding the one guy on their team that can score again, which still is an issue. But they rip off an 18-2 run, and they end the game on a 28-8 run. I will repeat myself for what feels like the billionth time over the last couple of weeks. I still don't think that what's happening right now is enough to justify a third year of Kenny Payne. I don't. You can believe that while also acknowledging and appreciating the things that are happening right now with this men's basketball team. The effort's great. A lot of the offensive execution is great. There are guys who undeniably are getting better and have gotten better as the season has gone along. Caleb Glenn's having that emergence that you you want to see from a freshman that's playing big-time minutes late in his first season of, of big-time college basketball. Trey White, for as bad as he was for the first couple months of the season, he's doing a lot of good things right now. He's finally, I think, settling into his role. We saw a lot of the good and the bad with Tyler Johnson on Saturday. The good is still very present. 
Yeah, he's 2 of 11 from the field. He turns the ball over five times. He also gets to the free throw line eight times, makes all of those, and dishes out eight assists. Or five assists. Has two steals. Brandon Huntley-Hatfield, there's no question about how much better he's gotten since he first got here. And Mike James is still doing all the, the little stuff. This is a thin team. They're getting about as much out of that, that core seven. They're having four or five guys step up pretty much every game. Now, the defense is still bad. The defense is still pull your hair out if you still have hair. Feel fortunate. Bad. Because, and I didn't rant about this last weekend, but I came damn close. The same thing that we've been doing for the last couple of years. And I think that we actually, we did it a lot, and it frustrated me in an insane amount in the last year under Mike Begeese and Chris Mack. We still do this thing where if a guy has made five, six, three-pointers in a game, we just refuse to believe that he can make six or seven. And I, I don't understand it. It's insane. And the latest example was Miles Kelly, who's Georgia Tech's best player. He's their leading scorer. It's not like he's a guy that you didn't identify in your scouting report who comes out here and he's raining threes, and we're just letting him catch and shoot from deep the entire night. He goes six of 11 from three, 11 of 20 from the field. He scores 36 points. And the, the most wild thing about this team, defensively at least, for since Kenny Payne got here, is that we never, ever, ever take away what an opposing team does really well. And that's, I mean, any coach worth assault, any scouting report worth assault, is going to revolve around that. Like, Miles Kelly is a good player. He's really the only, you talk about us being young, Georgia Tech is insanely young. Their second and third leading scorers are both true freshmen. Miles Kelly is the only guy in that core of that team that's been with this program for for a while now. He's a junior guard. He played for two seasons before um, Damon Sotomayor got there to take over the program. He knows what he's doing. We never take away the other, other team's best player or best players. If we get beat, if we get lit up, it's always somebody that you expect to be doing the lighting up. And it's, it's frustrating as hell. Like Every coach worth of salt is going to say, we may lose this game, but it's not going to be because their best player does the things that he does so well against us. Like We're going to make them, do, make them do something different. We never do that. And that really, really frustrates me. But it's been a consistent thing, so you kind of expect at this point. So we did not play great defensively. George Tech is not a great offensive team. They only shot 34.9% from the field, uh, 36% from three. Thankfully, we outscored them by, what, 17 at the free throw line? And that's, it was enough to keep us in the game for a long time. And then again, to our credit, we made the plays we needed to down the stretch. Now, Mike James was not great for the entirety of the game. But at the end there, when we made the run, he was right there in the middle of it. Getting to the free throw line, knocking down the only three that he made the entire game. Um, I thought Sky Clark did a good job, for the most part, of playing within himself. There were a couple of times when the game was still hanging in the balance where he just didn't do you know, the, the simple thing. Didn't pull a ball out when he was going one on three. Overpenetrated and turned the ball over. Still have to work on that. But for the most part, I thought he played well. So, I, I'm happy for the win. We had this exact same discussion after the, the, the Florida State and Syracuse games. I, I put the poll out there after we lost to Syracuse. You know, are people upset about this? Are they rooting against us? And it's pretty split. I think a slight majority, and I think it's actually a heavier majority than that poll would indicate. I still, I really do. Is 
is glad to see Louisville win games because it's just it's in our DNA. You can't root against the players. You can't do all this stuff. But there are more than just a handful of people out there who are terrified of getting a third year of Kenny Payne and who find themselves legitimately upset or at least like disappointed or worried when Louisville wins a game like this. And I get it. I'm not in that group, but I get it. Louisville now, 3-10 and 10 in the ACC. They're in a three-way tie for last place with, uh, with Georgia Tech and Notre Dame. They also have, they have a chance to beat the team that sits just a, a game and a half above them in the conference standings tomorrow night when they'll play at Boston College. Boston College is 4-8 and eight in the league. For all the talk about turning a corner and showing progress, and, and this is why you're patient with a first-year head coach who's now in his second year, I mean, we're still eight and sixteen and three and ten. We're still one seventy three on Ken Palm, and we're still one seventy six in the net rankings. They're still going to wind up being, unless something insane happens, they're still going to wind up being a very easy case to be made that this is the second worst season in the modern history of Louisville men's basketball, behind only last year. So. While this is encouraging to see the team play better and certainly not fight, or not, not stop fighting, I should say, and have some of that talent that we heard about, some of that pedigree start showing its face, it still is what it is. This was a 12-point home win that really wasn't, you know, it was, it was nip and tuck for the entire game until the last couple minutes. Over a, a Georgia Tech team that in any other year we would just, you know, we'd win that game by 16 points, and you'd say, what do we really get out of that game? We're not getting better playing teams like Georgia Tech. They're 10 and 14. Yeah, they beat Duke and UNC. That's a crap team. We should have we should house a team like Georgia Tech. And I get that we're not in that position, but it still does kind of temper my I I, I want to give the kids their flowers. I want to say props to you guys for for not quitting. But at the same time, I also don't want to go over the top for beating teams like Georgia Tech and even like that Florida State team last weekend and coming close against a, a Syracuse team. These teams aren't sniffing the NCAA tournament. We've just, I don't know the proper way to handle the situation because we've never been here before. Like last year was one thing where you knew exactly it was bad and it never really got that much better. They're getting better this year. There's no question about it. But this is year two. It's not year one, regardless of, of what Kenny Payne wants you to think. And if this is the progress that we're seeing in, in, in year two, like how slow is the build and what's, what's the ceiling? Remains my question. If this is the best that we can get in, let's say it is year one. If this were year one, I certainly would be more willing to embrace the positives that we're seeing right now. Because, I mean, I, I said going into last year, I hope that we all kind of are, are patient with this because I think that it's going to be bad. He didn't have a chance to fully assemble his roster. We're going to start getting these five-star kids out there, uh, all this stuff. But there's a limit, <laughs> I think, to the patience that you can have when you're seeing a team go, you know, win four games. And if we had done this, if we were 8-16 and 16 a year ago, and starting to play better and going 3-10 and 10 in the conference and, and potentially winning three or four more games before the end of the season, I think the fan base would have been like, okay, we can see this. We, we can work with this. We can build around it. 
the year two thing does change it because the same it, the same issues, a lot of the same issues that we, we saw lead to this team winning just four games a year ago are still present right now. I talked about the defense at the beginning of this spiel. The defense is not getting better. Georgia Tech didn't score 67 because we made defensive adjustments. They scored 67 points because they're not a good offensive team and they missed a ton of wide open shots and because nobody besides Miles Kelly can make anything. A lack of defensive execution can be at least partially due to the pieces that you're working with, for sure. Youth can play a factor in that. But at the end of the day, a coach who's capable of winning a national title will put up better defensive numbers with whatever he's working with than what we're seeing from Louisville. We're 208th in the country in adjusted defensive efficiency. Now, that's up from like 290th or whatever it was a couple months ago. It's still abysmal. And it's better than last year where we were 312th in adjusted defensive efficiency. It's still about as low as you can be having the type of talent that we have on this year's team. I mean, for all the talk, we can make fun of Kentucky a little bit later if we want to, but for all the talk about how bad they are defensively, and they are woeful defensively, they're 124th in adjusted defensive efficiency. That's still way better than where we are right now. I think you also have to be concerned about what's not happening on the recruiting trail. We're not getting anybody. We don't have, we're the only power, we remain the only power conference program that has yet to sign a player from the class of 2024. We have TJ Robinson still technically committed. I don't know what his plan is. I don't know why he didn't sign during the early period, but it seems like he still plans on coming here. We got nobody else coming. Carter Knox, I guess, technically is still in the fold. I think it'd be a still a mild shock if he picked Louisville. And now we have Kenny Payne talking openly about wanting to embrace the transfer portal and having to embrace the transfer portal and having to utilize it, which is cool, but we haven't seen him do it before. So we have no idea if that's going to work out as well as we want it to. There are still so many questions about the direction of this program. Too many, I think, to feel overly confident in bringing Kenny Payne back for a third year. But I think that the questions are going to persist. I would not be shocked at all if Louisville beats Boston College tomorrow night in Chestnut Hill. They play at Pitt on Saturday. I don't think they'll win that game. They could be competitive. They're not going to beat Duke. But then you end the season with Syracuse, Virginia Tech, and Boston College all at home. They could easily win two of those three. They could easily win all three. Imagine a world where Louisville wins its last three games of the regular season, all three games that they're going to play in March, and then wins a game in the conference tournament, maybe wins two games in the conference tournament. There will be legitimate questions out there about what Josh Hurd is going to do. I don't think they'll be valid, but they'll be out there. And I'll say this. This is not a Mike Rutherford guarantee. This team's not going to finish last in the conference. If you want to throw a party for that, feel free. They're not going to finish last in the conference. They're 3-10 and 10 right now. They're tied with Georgia Tech and Notre Dame. They have a chance to play Notre Dame themselves. Notre Dame did beat Virginia Tech over the weekend, but they still have a, they have a tougher conference schedule remaining than Louisville does. They've got to play Wake Forest, Clemson, Carolina, and that same Virginia Tech team, but they have to play them on the road. Georgia Tech, they've still got to play uh, Clemson, Wake, and Virginia. 
We have the easiest remaining schedule of those three teams that are tied at the bottom of the conference, and we get to play Boston College and Notre Dame. We're going to finish 13th or 12th, and we're going to play in that 13-12 game, and by God, we're going to win it. I'm telling you that right now. There are, I think there's a very clear class of four teams that are just worse than everybody in this, in this conference right now. And so if you want to win a game in the conference tournament, it's, it's key to not be 14th or 15th. Because 14 or 15, you're playing one of those teams from the other group. You're going to have to play a Virginia Tech, a Miami, a Q's, a Pitt, somebody like that, NC State. 13 and 12, you're playing one of the other teams from the crap group. And I think we're going to beat one of them. And then if you advance out of there, you play the five seed, who's you know, probably going to be somebody better than you, but maybe you get a little bit lucky. We're going to win a game in the conference tournament, folks. And people are going to act like that's enough to justify a third year. I don't think it's going to be, but I hope for the sake of the program, I hope for the sake of the team, they get it done. They've earned that right. Uh, Trey, do you have any uh, – first of all, did you watch the game on Saturday? I did not. <laughs> I did not. I did not. Well, they won. I did know that. <laughs> Which is good. Um, and, 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 you know, positive things are happening. Uh, the, the crowd, I don't know what the scanned attendance was. I think they announced the attendance at like 12,000 or something like that. It was loud. It was better than I thought it was going to be. It's been consistently good when it comes to the support, but there are times where it still looks just disgustingly empty. It didn't look disgustingly empty on on Saturday night. I think you had people that were embracing the the evening weekend game. Maybe they were embracing the fact that they thought they were going to win. It was kids' night. I enjoyed seeing yep. the, uh, the, the the pictures out there. My, a couple of my buddies brought all their kids down there. That was fun. It was a, the crowds have continued to be good. The people who are showing up are very vocally supportive. I did see that the, the FOIA request, the most recent FOIA request had, I think the Florida State game scan tickets were like 5,900. And for the women's game, the one before the screw job over the weekend, um, I can't remember who we played, but it was more. So the, the women are literally outdrawing the men right now. But, the fans who are going to men's games are remaining very supportive. They're remaining very loud. And I like to, you know, Kenny Payne has, he struck this chord a couple of times now. But I did like, after the game, he was asked about the crowd support, about the, you know, the defense cheers and, and getting people going. And he was saying it's a big deal. And he went into a spiel about how he met with the family of a player that day. And the family of the player was talking about the negativity surrounding the program and you know, asking for advice on how to deal with it. And the media is so mean. The fans are so mean. And the, the attendance is bad. And he was kind of saying, you know, you just have to shut it out, focus on what you need to do, and the only thing that we can do to make sure that it, it gets better and the, the, the attitude around the entire program is positive is win. And if he said stuff like that more often, it would be, be a lot easier to not talk about his press conferences and, and not wonder whether or not he gets it because he's exactly right. If you just win games, the fans are, are desperate for a winner. And every time we have a game like this at home where the crowd's going nuts and we're playing a team that's not very good, but we're acting like it's you know, a conference championship on the line, it just reinforces how desperate everybody is to get this thing back to feeling the way that it's supposed to around here. And I think that message, Kenny Payne, he clearly understands it. He needs to let us know that he understands it a little bit more. All right, after the break, we'll talk to you guys on the Thornton Sex Line. 502-414-1450 is the number to have your thoughts heard on the radio. Uh, women's basketball, men's basketball, Super Bowl, whatever you got on your mind, let us know. We'll read your text after the break. It's the Mike Rutherford Show, Monday edition here on 1450 The Big X.
Locked on Kentucky Alice, only locally owned sports talk, 1450. Banks in the secret agent outfit. This bag full of money that I'm making out with. Real drop bombs, we don't make announcements. Need a flight, that's for me and now I say about six. Uh. Go ahead and make a round trip. Doing 87, trying to keep away from crown picks. Uh. Anonymous, who she laying down with? Puerto Rican accent, and it just sound thick. It's a Jack Harlow Monday. You're on the Mike Rutherford show, it appears, which I'm good with. 1450-961, the Big X, reacting to all the news of the weekend in the world of sports. Uh, talk Super Bowl, we talk men's basketball. We have not touched, actually, on the, the women's basketball team getting absolutely screwed in Syracuse yesterday afternoon. Second time uh, this week that a Louisville basketball team has gone up north, north played in the Carrier Dome or whatever that's called. And gotten kind of hand-boned by refs in the final seconds. This one was worse than the men's game, I think. Louisville, in fairness, had the game in, in complete control in the fourth quarter and played poorly in the fourth quarter. Allowed it to be um, up for grabs in the final seconds. They led by one with just seconds to go. They had a foul to give. And a Syracuse player, Daisha Fair, who's one of the better players in the ACC had the ball 35 seconds to uh, 35 feet from the basket, less than five seconds to go. Louisville had two fouls to give. Olivia Cochran does what you're supposed to do in that situation. She gives the foul very clearly. The officials who always suck in women's basketball, but decided to especially suck in this game, call it an intentional foul. You legit see that at the end of every single game where somebody's giving a foul they're doing it intentionally. Everybody knows what's going on. It's never called an intentional foul. They called it this time. 2.7 seconds to go. Fair makes both free throws. That's the game. Syracuse wins 73-72. And Jeff Walls, who you know usually will be reserved or at least will, will, will mask his criticism of officials, decided to unleash hell after the game. This is the full, uh, we, we can't play because we don't uh, can't play audio here. This was the full statement from Walls after the game. It was a god-awful call. It was terrible officiating. They should be embarrassed. But you know, I'll get my fine. I'm sure I'll get a letter of reprimand. But at this point, somebody has to start holding the officials accountable. That call was the worst call I've seen in my 29 years of coaching. If we're going to start calling that, every foul at the end of the game when a team has to foul, it's intentional. Every foul is. We all know it is. But to call it in a one-point game with 2.5 seconds left, it's just awful. It's atrocious. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing for our league. But we'll never hear anything about it because it's such a sacred society that we can't ever reprimand publicly an official, God forbid. But we'll reprimand coaches and players will be called out. But there's three people out there, God forbid, if we came out and we actually said a league made a statement that it was a blown call, a bad call, we won't do that. He also, I think, in a later interview said... He used the BS word, straight up said it. It was a, it was as mad as you're ever going to see Jeff Walls, and I think justifiably so. Now, earlier today, Courtney Bangert, who's the the North Carolina women's head coach, she responded to a, a, a quote from Walls that had been posted about his full comments with, I saw the end of yours, Jeff. Here's the last possession of ours yesterday. Tie game under a second left. A score wins it, but no whistle. Just sharing end games with a friend at the ACC. 
and it looked to be a pretty clear foul on Duke. Wasn't called. They go to overtime. Duke beats North Carolina. Now, she deleted her tweet, so she maybe is avoiding the fine. Walls, I don't think, is going to back down from his statements, nor should he. And that's a it's a key loss for the U of L women's basketball team. Syracuse is a, a nationally ranked team. Louisville was going for a, a season sweep of them. They beat them relatively handily in the first meeting at the KFCM Center, or the first meeting in Syracuse. And now with the – I was right the first time in – the, in the Yum Center. With the loss, Louisville now sits a half game behind Syracuse and a full game behind Virginia Tech in the conference standings. They do play Virginia Tech coming up this weekend and what will be a huge game. But that, I mean, it's not just about winning the league. There's double buy implications in this. There's obviously NCAA tournament implications involved in this. Louisville now sits tied with NC State for third place in the conference standings at 9-3. and three. Syracuse now at uh, 10-3, and three, and Virginia Tech leads the league at 11-2. and two. So if you win that game, boom, you're up there alone in second place. You're just a half game behind VC, and you have a chance to beat them on your own this weekend. So there's a, there's a possibility, if Louisville takes care of business this weekend, that that game could cost the Cardinals either a share or the entirety of a ACC regular season championship. So big call. I understand why Jeff Walls was upset. I'd be upset too. Other news, uh, real quickly before we go to the Thornton sex line, the UofL uh, softball team opening the season this weekend, last weekend, with five games in the Sunshine State. They go a perfect 5-0. and First uh, time they've been 5-0 and to start a season since 2012. They will play Florida International coming up here on the road at 5 o'clock will be the first pitch. Also, Louisville Baseball, they get things going. This weekend, they go down to Tampa. They'll play Indiana State on Friday, South Florida on Saturday, and then UConn. On Sunday, their Jim Patterson Stadium opener will be a week from Wednesday when they'll host Xavier at 3 o'clock. They have the the leadoff, uh, I think, kickoff event coming up on uh, Wednesday, or media day, I should say, on Tuesday. They already have the leadoff dinner. So we'll hear from Dan McDonald, and they'll go down to Florida and kick off what we hope is going to be a nice bounce-back, successful season for the Louisville baseball team. All right, Thornton's text line is 502-414-1450. Reminder, Thornton's the best deals for you all 2024 long if you want to take advantage all you have to do is be a Refreshing Rewards Program member. It's very easy to do. Go to your phone. Go to the App Store. Search Thornton's. Download that bad boy. Sign up for the Refreshing Rewards Program. It should take you like 30 seconds. And then you'll be saving yourself some money at the pump and saving yourself some money inside anytime you stop into one of this area's 26,517 Thornton's locations. Do all that and then text us at 502-414-1450. I really should have refreshed the text line here before I did that whole spiel. Here we go. Now we're good. Texture says, Mike, I need a 30-minute rant about how bad NCAA women's basketball officials are. You just got like four minutes. I don't rant. I don't rant on the show. But they're terrible. Everyone talks about how you fix this thing, and I think it's a pretty simple solution. Like These people don't get paid anything. If you want better officials, pay them more money. But... The NCAA, like, you're running a real risk right now because women's college basketball has never been more popular than it is right now. And you've got you got star power that's just not going to be here a year from now. I guess Caitlin Clark can technically use her, her extra year of COVID uh, eligibility. She's probably not going to do that. Like, Caitlin Clark will be gone. Angel Reese will be gone. Uh, you, you're going to lose some of these big-time names that are drawing unheard of numbers to women's basketball games. I mean, Iowa played on Fox again over the weekend, lost to Nebraska, but... People were going nuts watching that game. Nebraska had a record attendance at, at that game. Everyone wants to see LSU play. Everyone's South Carolina played UConn over the weekend. 
drew pretty good numbers on, on ESPN. So you've got you're going to have more intrigue and more interest in the women's NCAA tournament this year than you virtually have ever had before. And there's a very real chance that the officiating screws it all up. Because the officiating always screws something up in women's college basketball. It's so bad. And until you sit there and watch a full game, you don't realize how bad it is. It's terrible. And we saw that firsthand yesterday. I'm sure we will see it again during the NCAA tournament. Texas Mike, last night I figured out why everyone goes in on Taylor Swift the way they do. It's because Travis Kelsey is a douche. He's always been a subtle douche, but when he screamed at Andy Reid for not putting him in for that fumble play, I think he showed everyone that he's at least a level four douche on the AKI Ashton Kutcher index. If Taylor dated a more likable player, she probably wouldn't catch as much crap. It's not fair, but hey, that's show business, baby. I I mean, I kind of wanted to like Travis Kelsey because I, I like Taylor Swift. I'm not crazy. I mean, her, she's not my favorite musician in the world, but I think she's cool. And Kelsey's off-field persona, like the, the clips that I see of the podcast that he does with his brother, I think he comes off as, as funny. I thought going back and finding his meathead tweets from like 2010 – was really funny and kind of relatable. He was just a college kid tweeting out whatever was coming to his mind at that, that point in time and didn't delete any of the stuff, which I thought was endearing. But my God, he's unlikable when you watch him during games. And then he gets, he does the whole, like, Viva Las Vegas thing on stage after the game. Like, I thought that was obnoxious. You could almost see her looking like she was embarrassed when they showed her when he was doing that. The fight for your right to party thing is, is not cool. But he, he he does this stuff. Like, the, the throwing the the Justin Tucker tee and all this stuff, and then you know, getting in Andy Reid's face. Again, like, it's just, it's it's obnoxious. I think he's obnoxious, and yeah, I wish he was dating someone cooler. Jared Goff. Amon Ross St. Brown. Come on. Texas says, what would it realistically require out of the rest of the season for you to be okay with bringing KP back for, uh, for a year three? I feel like we've gotten this question a decent amount. Texas says, though, for me, it would be beating everyone left on the regular season schedule except for Duke. And I would still need to see them have a chance to win that going into the last four minutes. They would have to make the semifinals of the ACC tournament. That is the absolute minimum. Otherwise, I don't want to hear any of that bring back KP garbage. I mean, we are in such a hole right now. Somebody asked me this over the weekend. We were just texting. They were like, if we made the, theoretically, if we made the conference tournament championship, but lost to North Carolina. Would we make the NCAA tournament? I was like, no, no, not even close. We're eight and sixteen right now. We have seven remaining comp- uh, regular season games. If we won every single one, which you're right, would include a road win over Duke, we would still have a losing record going into the the ACC tournament. We'd be fifteen and sixteen. We would, I think, in that scenario, we'd have to get a, we'd have to be like the, we'd start the tournament on Wednesday. We wouldn't play in the first Tuesday. So we would have to win three games to get to the conference championship game. That would put us at 18 and 16. And if we lost the, the conference championship, we'd be 18 and 17. One game over 500 in a down ACC with a 10 and 10 conference record and quad four losses to, to what? DePaul, Arkansas State, who else? Chattanooga. We wouldn't come close. Like We wouldn't even make the NIT. Still, and that's best case scenario. Would it be good enough for me to bring back Kenny Payne? <sighs> I mean, I, I'm not going to say I would vouch for it, but.
but I would be at that point. I would be good with it. I'd be okay with it. That's a hell of a turnaround. If you, I mean, it also would be the weirdest season of all time. Like we, we won one game in the month of December. We won one game in the month of January, and this hypothetical, we would have lost one game in the month of February and lost one game in the month of March. I don't think it's going to happen, but yeah, I'm with you. If we won out and then went to the the, the ACC tournament semifinals or, or championship game, I'd be like, okay, I still don't think this is going to work big picture-wise, but I will accept wanting to see a third year, wanting to see what we can do with we, we, bringing back the core of this team. The other thing is I, I would want, if I'm Josh Hurd, and I'm not, so I, I have no idea where his mind is, but if I'm him and this this or something close to it happens. Something that would make him think twice about, we just need to move on from this because it's never going to work. I would want some sort of reassurance from Payne that he knows that the core of this year's team is going to come back. Because if you bring back Kenny Payne, but Brandon Huntley-Hatfield says, I want to go play professionally somewhere. Tyler Johnson says, I want to go get an NIL back somewhere. And... I don't know who else. Like, you bring back Sky Clark, but and Mike James, but Trey White leaves, and Tyler leaves, and Curtis Williams leaves, and, and Huntley Hatfield leaves, and like, then it's it, you're, you're starting all over again, and all the same excuses that were present at the beginning of the last two years will be present again in year three, and I think we can expect the results to be similar. So I, if I'm Josh Hurd, I would want some sort of reassurance from Kenny Payne, like, hey. Great job. We're thinking about bringing you back. I want to know that those guys that played the biggest part in us turning this thing around so completely are going to be around for a year or three, because if not, then what are we doing? Texas says, I saw a video of Noah Washington pop up this week, the eighth grader from across the bridge. I think he's going to be better than Romeo Langford. He has such great touch with his shot and can score from all three levels. Louisville and IU should both try to be big players in his recruitment a few years down the road. Here we go. I'm excited about this, because they... Like, I. I've missed the Indiana high school player that people are going to text in or call in and talk religiously about for the next five or six years. People started doing this with Romeo Lankford when like, he was 13 or 14, and I was just on the air for the first time uh, doing like weekly radio shows on 680 and 93.9. And people were like, have you heard about this kid? And then it became like, we don't, we don't just need Romeo Lankford. We need Sean East. We need his point guard. Like This is going to be that same type of deal. And I'm excited for it. Noah Washington, people are saying he's very, very good. Circle the name. Let's make it happen. Bring Noah to the Ville. Maybe we'll be on our fifth different head coach by that point. Texas Mike, if they give KP a third year, I'm calling for a riot, a full-blown squall of angry Louisville fans. You don't want the squall. You do not want a squall. Trey, do you know what a squall is? I can't say I'm familiar. I had no idea what a squall was until we were on the air and it started squalling outside, which was, it's a, like, a vicious snowstorm. Really? No, I, I've never heard of that. I think this was—it was actually—it was the first time I we had, we had COVID because I remember I was doing the show in my basement uh, with the they brought, Trevor brought the Comrex over and we were doing it and they're like they're saying it's a squall and I was like I've got no idea what a squall is and it's like a it's like a crazy storm so this guy's saying a full blown squall of angry Louisville fans is going to happen if we bring back KP for a third year and I'm I'm with you I'm all good. Texture says, "Is the KRC text?" Look, if you text it in between 3 and 6, we got to read it. I've never been happier to read them than I am today. I've never seen Doster post an anonymous coach quote like that after another loss. I know it's Kentucky and everything is different, but sometimes 
you can't help but laugh. I saw that, and I don't remember, what, but I, I don't remember exactly what he's talking about. Uh, if you guys didn't know, Kentucky lost over the weekend. Louisville two and one in February. Kentucky one and two in February. I great teams peak late. Is that what they say? Kind of feels like we're uh, maybe peaking late. Maybe peaking late. What was I, I don't know what the I'm trying to find the the Doster anonymous quote, but it was something about how every single time that Kentucky comes out in that set. Everyone, all they do is run a, a lob, which is if you didn't see it, Kentucky had a chance to tie or win the game in the final seconds against Gonzaga, and they ran this play that Calipari called out of a timeout where Reed Shepard just threw it up for a lob, and Gonzaga very clearly knew exactly what was going to happen. They had their dude stay home and pick the ball off, and that was the end of the game. And Kentucky lost a game. Look, look I will remain steadfast with my Kentucky take. I did not think they were national title good coming into the year. I don't think they're national title good now. I still think that there's a chance that like, – I'm not going to say that any team in the top like 35 can be Final Four good. A team that's seven or worse, seated seven or worse in the NCAA tournament makes the Final Four virtually every year. I think it's happened in nine of the last ten NCAA tournaments. So would we have said Florida Atlantic is Final Four good going into the NCAA tournament last year? No. So I'm not going to say they're not Final Four good. They score a ton. They can beat just about anybody if they get that team on a bad shooting night or they just don't play well offensively. But my goodness, like they just, I watched Gonzaga play. I mean, I think it was earlier that week earlier. I watched almost all of the St. Mary's game because it was late. Kids were asleep and they couldn't do anything offensively at home against St. Mary's, who's a good team, but not an elite team. And, they did whatever they wanted to offensively against Gonzaga. They, they looked like the old school Gonzaga on Saturday uh, inside Rupp Arena as UK loses three straight games in Rupp for the first time ever, three straight home games for the first time since 1967. And oh boy, are the folks in Lexington upset. It is nice. It, it, I mean, as, as, as much as we are in the depths of hell with our own college basketball program, it is nice to see Kentucky kind of in its own little hell. Now, their hell's, they're like second layer. You know, we're down there in like the seventh layer. But still, it was it was more difficult to go through November and December when they were like the fun team and the it team. And now you look at their numbers, like there's no reason to think that they're, like, they're not a legit top 25 team right now. They're just, they're, they're not. 124th adjusted defensive efficiency. They're, they don't stop anybody. They don't execute at, the, at all at the end of games. They just don't, you know, they're fun. I know they have, they're going to get healthy. They're going to get better. But now you got Matt Jones talking about they can miss the NCAA tournament. Oh, it'd be too much. It's not going to happen, but it would be too much. Texture says the NFL would be better off just turning off the game clock during OT in the postseason. So many people at the party I was at thought the Chiefs were about to lose since the clock was nearing zero. I mean, I, did, I, I didn't know. Like, I, I had no idea until that, like, uh, until like Tony Romo. Launched into that spiel at the, at the very end of the game. I don't think I, I, I don't think Tony knew. I think somebody had to get in his ear and be like, "Hey, man, the game doesn't end at the end of the first overtime. It just goes to like a second overtime." But yeah, like I don't know why you wouldn't just turn the game clock off. I, I guess you want to get. It, I mean, it, 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 like they're playing in a dome. The, the Super Bowl is always going to be in a dome stadium. I guess the theory is that if you're not and one team has an advantage going a certain direction. You want to make sure that the other team gets the same advantage at some point if the game drags on long enough? I don't know. 
I don't know why you wouldn't just turn the game clock off, but it was weird. It was distracting. Texas Mahomes and I can't read that. Can't can't say that. Can't say that on the radio. Texas the skunk odors. I can't read that either. Come on, guys. <laughs> Texas, oh, I need to reload. Texas says, um, "We're a few minutes away. We're we're a few more wins away from the city burning down." I don't think so. I really don't. But I can't guarantee. I, I don't think anybody knows what Josh Hurts thinking. If you hear people talking about like I, you know, I've got to read on Josh saying this. I got to read on Josh saying that. I just don't think that anybody truly knows. Because I. There's no buzz. There's no murmurings. I mean, there have been murmurings that he's been having preliminary conversations with agents. I do believe that that's happened, but that's that could be just checking all your boxes, just making sure that you've got everything covered. I I have no idea what Josh Hurd's measuring stick is for the season. I've got no. Maybe he's already decided. I've got no idea. Texture says any other coach is fired. I don't know about that. No idea. Texas may have some more big bets today and perhaps Twitter recap of the aforementioned money-making wonderful bets. I'll, I'll post the bets on Twitter tonight. I had a – college basketball has been rough. I had a, a rough – last week was just bad for me. I knew it was going to happen at some point in time. I knew it was going to you – know, the, the good luck was going to take a downturn, but my goodness, I got, I got my ass kicked last week. Uh, it was bad. But I did have – I'm trying to think of the – the, I mean, Super Bowl went did okay. Like I said, should have been better, but did okay. Um, but I had a rough weekend. But we'll, we'll bounce back this week. I'm feeling good about it. Texas, the most annoying thing with other teams' best player is that we don't do anything to prevent the other team from hunting our worst defenders. Like clockwork, Kelly had tie on switches at the end. They just didn't pass in the ball. So dumb. Yeah, we, we don't do anything well defensively. We just don't. Texture says, Nickelodeon Super Bowl broadcast was the best, and the Usher halftime show was pretty good. He surprised me. My favorite part was SpongeBob roasting everyone all night long. I didn't watch any of the Nickelodeon Super Bowl broadcast. Traded you? Uh, no. Not a lick. SpongeBob was after my time, so I don't... Like, I, I saw some people posting his videos and stuff. I don't, I've got no frame of reference when it comes to SpongeBob. Just a little bit, little bit too old for it. Texas, this U of L team should be a tournament team. Some really good players. I love Tyler and I love Caleb Glenn. The women's loss hurt my soul, though. I could not agree more. Like, I, I, you can build around the core of this men's team for years to come. If we had, if this team flipped the record, if this team is sixteen and eight, and in that case they're probably they're still fighting for an NCAA tournament bid, we're probably firmly on the bubble. And you have this same core and a coaching staff that you feel comfortable with and that you have a lot of faith in. I think we'd all feel pretty good about the future of the program. Tyler Johnson, again, like the bad when it's on display is on full display. It's impossible to miss, and you saw it a lot on, on Saturday night. But the good, the things that you can't teach, that level of quickness is insane. There's no, there's been nobody guarding him this entire year that he couldn't get around. Now he's going to have to improve the outside shot because you saw George Tech did the right thing against him on Saturday. They just they played way off him. They're like, okay, cool, take the three, and he wasn't couldn't do it, couldn't make it. More teams are going to do that. You're a fool if you press up on Tyler Johnson, a fool. But you can build around a core of Tyler and Caleb Glenn and Curtis Williams 
and even the sophomores with, with Trey White and Sky Clark and if I mean Huntley yeah, has got another year of eligibility back. Like this is a core that you could build around and say if you add the right pieces in the off season and maybe bring in a, a talented freshman or two. You like, there's no excuse to not go to the NCAA tournament a year from now. You could be a, a real legit like top five, top six team in the conference, maybe top four team in the conference. And we could really see how this thing could run uh, under the new coaching staff. We're 8-16. And, and I think we've seen enough red flags in the coaching staff to not really have a whole lot of faith in their ability to do anything quote-unquote great, even if they bring that nucleus back for another year. And that sucks. Because these guys, some of these kids can really play. The talent is there. And they're likable kids. They play hard. Texter says... KP haters want to worry about a win. Do it when a KP team beats a team that's better than we are. They have yet to do that. I think Miami's better than us. I, mean, I think Florida State's probably better than us. Is that? I mean, neither one of those teams are very good. Miami is still, I don't know what's going on. I mean, they should have beat North Carolina over the weekend. They didn't get it done. They're trending towards missing the NCAA tournament. Florida State, we... We torpedoed their chance of, of making the NCAA tournament. I still think both those teams are better than we are. But Georgia Tech is not. Georgia Tech and Notre Dame are the two teams. I was talking to my dad about this over the weekend. He's like, you know, Georgia Tech doesn't look very good. And I said, this isn't going to be the last time that this happens. Like, they're going to win a few more games because the bottom half of this conference is bad. It's not. I'm not saying that we haven't played better, that we haven't turned some sort of corner, that things aren't clicking in a, in a way that they weren't in – December and in Jan- in early January, but we're still, we're, it's just as much about how bad the bottom half of this conference is as it is us quote unquote turning a corner. Cause we were playing better in mid to late January and we still were like, you know, we're losing games to Carolina by 16. Duke's beating us by 14. Virginia's beating us by 17. Clemson beat us by six. And that was a, a gigantic cause for celebration. The bottom half of this league is bad. And when you look at teams like Georgia tech, Boston College, Notre Dame. I mean, I would even go so far as to say the Florida State team that we beat. Maybe even Virginia Tech. The talent on their roster is not better than ours. We have the better players. We do. And if they stay focused and play hard and just do what they're able to do offensively, they should beat all these teams. They should. They probably won't because they just they don't know what to do defensively, but they should. They're gonna win a few more. We have more talent than these teams. If you watched that Georgia Tech game on Saturday and just said, if you watched all those guys warm up, go through a set of drills for like 30 minutes, and then you had a draft for a game between the two teams, I'd say four of the first five players drafted are gonna be on Louisville's side. We've got better players than they do. It's finally becoming at least somewhat apparent. All right, more from you guys on the text line, 502-414-1450 after the break. It's the Mike Rutherford Show. We're halfway home here on a Monday on 1450 at 96.1, the Big X. Matt Dennison here, inviting you to join me week. I catch a groove like 
What was the deal with... There was like a 24-hour period where it was trending all over social media that Jack Harlow and Dua Lipa were dating. And everyone was like, he manifested this by doing the song. And then I just like never heard anything about it again. Yeah, it I didn't a fake even, internet thing? Yeah, I guess so. I haven't heard anything about that either. I mean, I, could, I mean, he named a song after, so I'm assuming that he would uh, be open to that. But I haven't heard any like actual official thing that that's a thing. I think it was a year ago. And, and I was like, good for him. He, he wanted this to happen. He made it happen. And then it just didn't happen. Trey, who's your NFL team? I'm a Packers fan. Uh, Sorry. God love you. Sorry. Uh, we got odds for the next Super Bowl champion and early Super Bowl favorites. This is going to shock you. The Kansas City Chiefs are your favorite next year to once again win it. I mean, this is via bet online, by the way. I feel like every time you're going to see the, the, the Super Bowl odds for the next year, it's going to be the, the reigning champion, the, the team that just won it, who's you know, the favorite for next year. Uh, and, and they are at 4-1 and one is the line. 5-1 uh, five and five to one is the line set for the Chiefs. San Francisco 49ers are the second choice at 6-1. And your fighting Lions of Detroit are the third choice at 7-1. Baltimore is in fourth at 12-1. Uh, the Bills at 14-1. And then here you go. Locally, local flavor for both you and some listeners. The Bengals and the Packers are the co-fifth choices at 16-1. Hey, no. There you go. Cowboys at 18 to 1, they're done. Dolphins and Eagles also there at 18 to 1. The last team, the worst odds. I think that they always they, there's no co-worst team. They always have to give somebody like their own individual last place odds. The Carolina Panthers, sorry Brian Smith, are a 150 to 1 shot to win next year's Super Bowl. Bing bang boom. Uh Chiefs win it last night. Cool, whatever. We move on. It's fine. I did enjoy the 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 Brittany Mahomes the video of her oh, that was awesome. not caring that Jackson Mahomes couldn't get into awesome. her <laughs> VIP area. Because I, I think she's kind of annoying. But I was like, am I doing a turn on Brittany Mahomes? Uh, I'm like, I'm kind of – she's winning me back right now. She's becoming friends with Taylor Swift. She's not letting Jackson Mahomes, who's 58 times more annoying than she is, into her little private area. That was great. I enjoyed that. Uh, but props to – if you are a Chiefs fan out there, congrats. Also, I hate you because you don't know what real struggles are like. Five zero two four one four fourteen fifty is the Thornton's text line. We'll take more tweets from you guys, or text from you guys. Texas, the reason people get concerned about a year three of Kenny Payne is statements like this in the media from CL's most recent article in the Courier. CL Brown said this season Louisville is closer than its eight and sixteen record suggests from being back in the upper tier of the ACC and having uh, and being back in the NCAA tournament. The Cards have a collection of talent; they're just missing one star player. Who could help bring it all together? I mean, second time I've had to say this in a couple weeks. I love CL. I, I, they're not close to being in the NCAA tournament. And saying if they had one star player, they'd be. They're eight and sixteen. They're one seventy six in the net rankings. One seventy six. That's not. You make those types of statements if you're seventy eighth in the net rankings. If you're seventy second on Ken Palm. You could say, ah, they're one-star player away from being in the top tier of the ACC and back in the... We lost to DePaul, who is on track to be the worst power conference team in maybe the history of college basketball. We lost to Arkansas State at home by 12. We lost to Chattanooga at home by 10. We've won three conference games. We're not close to being anything besides abysmal. Uh, that, uh, That Arkansas State team that beat us, by the way, 11 and 14 right now overall. Jesus. Not good. 
They're bad. That UMBC team that it took a miracle to beat, 2-8 and eight in the America East Conference, 7-18 and 18 overall. Chattanooga, best of the bunch out of that group, 17-8 and eight overall, 9-3 and three in the SOCON. Good team, not like an NCAA tournament at-large bid team. And then DePaul's won three games. And they're setting a record every time they, they play in the Big East for a futility. St. John's and Rick Pitino just smacked them 85-57 to their last time out. They're 3-20, and 0-12 in the Big East. Dominated us from start to finish. One-star player is not going to take that level to being top tier in the ACC? No. But at the same time, like, the media, I think, has a lot less power than the average fan gives it credit for. I mean, I hear it all the time. I mean, we, we became a running joke on this show back in December, like people texting in or people texting me personally and saying, you need to call for Kenny Payne's job. And I'm like, I've, I've said, first of all, I've said my piece. I've, I've said I would, would not have brought him back for year two. I've said I would have fired him at the beginning of the season. I've said I would have fired him after the, the Kentucky game, certainly. I've said it a billion times. If I had the type of power that people like, that send these texts think I do, a lot of things would be different. Maybe some better, probably a lot worse. We don't run the shot, the, the, the show here. And I can tell you firsthand from being kind of like close to key people at UofL in the past, they're a lot less influenced by the media than you think. They are. They'll hear it sometimes, and typically it's because they have somebody who works around them who says, the fans are talking about this, or this person's saying this, and here, I'll, I'll send you a copy, or I'll send you a clip. But for the most part, it's just like, eh, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm not saying it doesn't matter at all. Fan sentiment matters, certainly as well. But at the end of the day, it's their decision. And they're going to, to take all factors into consideration. It's not like Josh Hurd was sitting around over the weekend and saying, like, oh, we're 8-16, and 16, it's just not good enough, 3-10, and 10, I'm glad they won, but that's not good enough. And then Red Seal Brown's column is like, you know what? He's right. We go out there, we get our Dalton Connect for next year out of the transfer portal, or we get Carter Knox to come in and be a one-and-done. We're going to be fine. That's all we need to be a clear-cut NCAA tournament team competing for league championships. I see the light now. It's, it doesn't work like that. But I understand the fear. I do. Texas says, why are we talking about getting better? Could we really have gotten worse? Well, sure. Or we could have just stayed the same. I, I mean, every team gets better, except for ones that are just ravaged by injuries or kicking kids off the team. And it's why I always kind of rolled my eyes last year when people talked about us. You know, They're, they're going to get better. They're young. It's a first-year coach. I'm like, yeah, they're going to get better. Everyone's going to get better, too. If you stay stagnant, like, that's the equivalent of getting worse as the season goes on. And some teams do just, you, know, you see it across college, especially at the, the lower levels when a team's having a really, really down year. Some teams do just kind of, they give up. Sometimes coaches check out. We saw, I mean, Chris Mack kind of checked out and then literally did check out two years ago, three years ago. So I, I think you have to give them credit for, for not checking out and, looking like a more competent offensive basketball team for having their effort on defense at least being good most of the time. They just don't know what to do. I mean, Georgia Tech, say what you will about them. Like 
there's still a team that that beat North Carolina and beat Duke at one point this season. The Carolina win was just a couple of weeks ago. They'd played a competitive game against NC State after that. They, you know, they, they, they've been destroyed by Wake Forest. But I think you can make the case that we've improved more over the course of the the last five, six weeks than they have. I mean, Tech was 8-3 and three going into the end of, uh, of December. They lost Cincinnati pretty handily. They lost to Georgia. But they beat Mississippi State. They beat Penn State. They beat UMass. They beat Duke. Those are all, all four of those are top 100 Ken Palm teams. They were doing more in the non-conference without question than we were. And I think if you watch that game on Saturday, like we're clearly a better team than they are. If you've watched both teams play for the last couple of weeks, we've looked superior. So I think we, we deserve at least a little bit of credit for that. Again, you can, you can acknowledge the positives that are out there while also maintaining your overall view of it's not good enough and we need a change moving forward. Texas, I'm starting to think that Hurd's going to get punked into a third season. Man, we're, we're seeing this text. Every single win, every single win is just bringing a drove of these types of texts. We were already getting it a lot before, but imagine if this keeps happening. They could, I, I'm telling you right now, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not going out on a limb and predicting it. They could beat Boston College tomorrow on the road. Boston College is not very good. It's at home against in Chestnut Hill, who cares? Boston College is coming off of a Duke beat them pretty handily over the weekend, and then their last home game a, a week ago, they lost at home to that same Florida State team that we beat fairly handily. They beat Syracuse at home, who we lost to. They beat Notre Dame, but they've also you know they've been beaten pretty handily by some just whatever teams. They don't have a ton of talent. They got the Quentin Post kid who who killed us last year. Um, who else is back? Jaden Zachary. They don't have players who are as talented as our players. They don't. Post is really good. Besides, and, and he's he's got a unique skill set. He's seven foot tall. He can shoot it from the outside. He, he scores at every level. He killed us last year. He's a unique challenge for us. Besides that, we have the more talented guy at basically every position on the floor. We could absolutely go up there and win tomorrow night. And then all the fear texts are going to be amplified times five. Texter says, right, perfect timing. I'm worried about a year three with pain, but one thing that keeps those fears in check is the staff's own actions. There's no recruiting going on. You know, in the final year of Petrino, we said they were coaching like a staff that knew it wasn't going to be around next year. I get the same vibe from this group. Now, they, they did pay an in-house visit to EJ Walker over the weekend, the in-state recruit from the class of 2025 that they offered last week who plays at uh, Lloyd Memorial in Erlanger, Kentucky. So they are recruiting a little bit. Like They're, they're doing the bare minimum, but I, your overall point is right. Like They're not recruiting. They have not been recruiting like a staff that is expecting to be here next year. Uh, what, what, one thing that I wanted to acknowledge when we were talking about the game itself in the last hour, I was very, very excited to see that in the last 30 seconds, Kenny Payne made it a point to substitute Caleb Glenn out of the game so he that he got the proper ovation that he deserved from the crowd. And I tweeted that out, and a, couple, a few people made it a point to say, like, Danny Manning kind of leaned over and told him to do that. Who knows what exactly happened, but still, whether it was Manning who acknowledged it and, and brought it to Kenny Payne's attention or, or Payne who did it on his own, good on the staff for making sure that Caleb Glenn got that ovation because that was one of the, I hate this word's overused now, but I'm a Lions fan so I can do it, grittiest 
efforts I've seen from a Louisville player, especially a young Louisville player, in a long, long time. And he absolutely changed the game. And it was good. I know he's. I know he played his last season of high school basketball at La Lumiere. But he's a local kid, played at Mail High, been committed to us for a long time, committed to Chris Mack, stayed true to his commitment when Kenny Payne came in here. Very, very good to see him having that type of success and having that type of impact. And also a great sign for us in the future, moving forward. That was, um, it was a hell of an effort. It was awesome to see him play that way. Uh, and, and like I said, those are guys you can build around moving forward. He reminds you, I, I, th- I think of a young Dre Davis. The offensive game is not all the way there. His outside shot is certainly very hit or miss. He's not taking many threes anymore. He's undersized, doing the types of things that he wants to do at this level of of major college basketball. But he's skilled enough, and he's got the body, and he's got the work effort to just make things happen. And you look at Dre Davis, you know, now uh, a senior at Seton Hall, like he's going to be an all-Big East member at the end of the season. Maybe not first team, but he's going to be an all-Big East performer He's scoring. He's he's getting like damn near fifteen and eight every single time out. He had a rough game over the weekend, but against Georgetown on Wednesday, twenty five points, ten rebounds. DePaul the game before sixteen and twelve. Marquette thirteen and nine. Providence fifteen and nine. Like he he's a he's a workhorse, and his offensive game has come around. And like you could have built around that kid here, and you definitely can build around Caleb Glenn moving forward. Texture says. Only three games that feature a power. Oh, this is from last week. Texas says uh, his best asset in pain was supposed to be recruiting. What would you say you do here? And also tweets out the Seal Brown link of the Louisville has enough scrappy players. Imagine when Kenny Payne has a star. I mean, again, like you've got Sky Clark was a five star coming out of high school. Brandon Huntley Hatfield was a five star coming out of high school. These are all guys who were highly recruited. We have a roster loaded. With a couple of four star, a couple of five stars, and then all four or three stars, it's not like these are guys that were unheralded coming out of high school, played a couple of years at uh, in, in Division three, and then got the call up to D one. These are all guys who knew they were going to play at this level of, of college. I mean, I guess Zan Payne is the exception, but the guys who are getting minutes, everybody else besides Zan, these are all guys who expected to play big time college basketball for basically their entire prep careers. Getting a star, yeah. I mean, how how many genuine stars are there in college basketball? Like, who are we talking about here? Like, we have to get an R.J. Davis. Kentucky's got a roster loaded with stars. They're not doing a whole lot right now. I mean, it's on Kenny Payne to if if that is the missing piece. If if it's this can't miss first round NBA draft pick guy, it's on Payne to go out there and get him. Those are the types of guys that he was supposed to be bringing into the program. It has not happened yet at all. And it doesn't look like it's going to happen next year. Texas says, in case you don't have the time, don't feel like it or don't care, I'll do it for you. Here are the top players from the last four losses old. Oh, this is a KRC text. Uh, The last four losses for Kentucky were to, yeah, I'm going to read them. If you send them in during the show, I'm going to read them. The last four losses for Kentucky were to four lineups of juniors and seniors. Go fact check Tennessee, Gonzaga, uh, South Carolina and Florida, their key players are all old guys. Sooner or later, people are going to realize that COVID has changed the current landscape of college hoops. The sooner they'll be less angry. You're not wrong. You can't win with teams that are this reliant on true freshmen. 
Now they'll get Trey Mitchell back, and that'll help a lot. They still get I mean, their best player's been Antonio Reeves, who's like a 17th year senior. But they still like they are very reliant on Reed Shepard, Rob Dillingham, DJ Wagner, Aaron Bradshaw, whoever whatever big they're throwing out there at any any point in time. And they can't defend a high ball screen to save their lives. They can't. And they, they get a little bit anxious in end of game situations. They try have guys who try to do a little bit too much. Old teams are ru- are ruling college basketball. The stat that we kept throwing out there last year was, you know, out of the top 100 scorers in college basketball, only one was a true freshman. It was Brandon Miller, who is like the elite of the elite. Look at the NBA draft last year. Look at all the, the freshmen who got drafted who you were like, who? He played college basketball last year? Like, it's just, it's different. And what I, I think that out of the last, what, six years? Five years. There's only been one true freshman starter on a Final Four team. Brandon Suggs from, or Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga a couple years ago. Like that's speaks pretty high. Speaks speaks volumes. Texture says, can't read that. Texture says the best commercial was the Jesus commercials. I don't even remember. You didn't catch those? Was was it just like it was just I mean genuine Jesus commercials? I only saw one though, I think. It was that's exactly what it was though. Just exactly what you think it would be. I was in and out. I mean, again, I got screaming sick kids everywhere. I'm, I'm running around trying to take care of them. So I feel like I didn't get to pay enough attention. But I, I enjoyed the Michael Sarah commercial as somebody who enjoys Michael Sarah. Like that was that was good. But I didn't see. I know Mary really liked one of the Disney commercials. Was she was all about? But I, I didn't see a ton. Uh, Texas Gronk screwed me on the cartoon missed field goal in FanDuel, the ten thousand dollar kick. I I didn't see that right before the game. He missed the kick. Barely missed it, but still missed it. Texas, what would Jeff Brom do if Travis Kelsey bumped into him and got into Brom's face? <laughs> I can't see that happening. I can't see Brom handling that well. I feel like that would be a fight. Or at the very least, like Kelsey would be done for the game. I feel like that's what you have to do. I mean, I guess it's Travis Kelsey, but I just can't believe it that went on and he still played. I was shocked. I mean, I, I was shocked. I, I wasn't sad that he kept playing. I, I was shocked that he that, yeah. that it happened yeah, yeah, yeah. and that we all just kind of like moved on and glossed over. I'm like, he just he basically shoved his head coach. Uh, I was excited about the the Twisters movie coming out. Again, tw- Twister is a bona fide Mary movie. My wife loves it. Twister was a very important movie for people my age, 90s kids that were growing up. Uh, so now I'm excited for Twisters for sure. Uh, Texas Mike didn't like the Robert Kennedy Jr. campaign commercials from the Jim Crow era. It was, that, was, that was definitely one of those. I can't believe this is very surreal that I'm actually watching this happen. Uh, this, this guy just blew millions of dollars, but eh. I guess if you have millions of dollars to blow. Texas Mike, the magic number is 20. If Louisville has 20 losses, then that doesn't guarantee a third year for KP. I'm just saying 20 losses sounds horrible. Well, they're going to have 20 losses. And they've got, what, 16 right now? Yeah, 16. You've got, unless you win the conference tournament, that's one guaranteed. Yeah, they're going to, I mean, I guess they could go five and two down the stretch, but I think four and three is more realistic. I think they're going to lose to Duke. They'll probably lose on the road to Pitt. And then every other game is very winnable for sure. They might do it. 
You might do what? They might do it. Like they, they might do it. They they, do they, it. they might. But uh, twenty losses. I mean, it, let's all remember. And I feel like I'm an insane person having to say this all the time. Let's all remember that before last year, we had had one season in the 110 year history of this program where we'd lost 20 games. It was uh, the, the the 98 team. It was Denny Crumbs, you know, like worst team. All that stuff. They were terrible. It was like there was a monstrosity. Like suffering through that season was, I thought it was the worst thing of all time. And then last year we lost 28. We've never, that's still uncharted territory. Losing 20 games, it's happened twice in the history of the program. If we get there in, in both years under Kenny Payne, I don't care what the extenuating circumstances are. You cannot bring that person back for a year three at a proud program. You just cannot do it. 20 losses. We are currently projected on Ken Palm to go 10 and 21 and 5 and 15 in the ACC. If that happens, I mean, it's just, I guess you can defend it, so I'm not going to say it's indefensible, but to me, it just doesn't make any sense that you could say, I've seen this and we're good to go with year three. Just does not make any sense. Texture says, last night's episode soured me on Kelsey. He seems like a psycho and a jerk, and his pregame outfit looked fake and douchey on him, but I don't think he's why people are so weird about Taylor being shown on TV at Chiefs games. Her comments on Trump are the biggest reason. Primetime Fox hosts have whined like goofballs about it for months. Yeah, I think it's more about that than it is about the Travis Kelsey connection. His outfit was dude. Like, Who are you trying to be, buddy? You can't wear sparkly jumpsuits. You can't do it. You can't. Yeah. Can't happen. Texas Caleb Glenn makes a huge difference on this team. His hustle is contagious, especially since BHH has played with him so much more fire ever since the team was booed. Yeah, somebody was, uh, there was a, 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 I think an Indiana fan, or it was somebody nationally who like doesn't follow Louisville that closely. Maybe a Florida fan who tweeted me over the weekend was like, do you think that the Texas game was the turning point for this team? And I was like, no. I mean, after the Texas game, this team promptly lost to DePaul and Arkansas State and, and got, you know, lost a bunch of games by 20 points. Like, that was not a turning point. Maybe it was getting booed by the crowd after the Arkansas State game because it's not like the team has been great ever since then, but they've they've played consistently hard. The Arkansas State game was the one that you circled this year and say they they look like zombies the entire game. It, it looked like they they knew the head coach was getting fired. Or they wanted the head coach to get fired. They weren't going to give out minimum effort in that game at all. And from start to finish, it was just a whatever. Let's get this over with mentality, and they got booed. And they played hard against Pepperdine uh, the next game. They've played hard since then. They haven't always played well. More times than that, they've played poorly. But they've they've played hard since then. I don't know if that was a wake-up call. I don't know if it was the vote of confidence from Josh Hurd and Kenny Payne. But they have – effort has not been a real consistent issue since that game against Arkansas State. Let's take a break. we got the 5 o'clock hour. i got a couple other stories to get to. We'll rehash some of our thoughts from the first hour and then get back to you guys on the Thornton's Tax Line. It's the 5 o'clock hour of the Mike Rutherford Show. It's up next here on 1450 The Big X. So why you being extra, huh? Being extra. She's a European and she know I'm seeing extra. Got a main character, but you could be an extra. Yes, sir. We the hottest out. You still be next up. Now I'm on some Ariana. Thank you, next, bro.
My nail tech knows how to keep it a little secret. I don't wish for my success, I speak it. I caught a buzz and you did too, but you tweaking. I look like I've been getting money, how reeking. You smell me, that's LV. Walk around with my chest out of my skin smooth, I'm healthy. I'm in a mix and I'm handshaking, but most of y'all can't help me. Most of y'all ain't wealthy. Most of y'all just dress like it. I caught the vibe that y'all giving off. Five o'clock hour here of the Monday edition of the Mike Weatherford Show here on 1450 96.1. The Big X reacting to a big weekend in the sports world, both locally and nationally. Obviously, the Super Bowl going down yesterday. Men's basketball team getting it done Saturday night against Georgia Tech, leading to a bunch of fear questions about whether or not this may get Kenny Payne a third year. Women's team screwed in Syracuse. Absolute screw job um, for the second time in a week. For a, a, a L basketball team goes up there to the Carrier Dome, or whatever it's called now, and gets... Kind of just just uh, screwed a little bit by the refs. And Jeff Walls, let them know about it after the game. We've talked about Super Bowl. We've talked about all that stuff. We've taken texts from you guys. Uh, we talked about the halftime show, and Trey said he kind of enjoyed it. Trey Ryan from Cluckers is here. And even though he's a young and ushers more for the olds, I'll tell you who didn't enjoy it. Rolling Stone, they ranked, uh, they updated their list of the best halftime shows of all time. They did not have Usher's halftime show last night wow. in their top 10. They had that in the uh, at, at number eighteen, all time in their rankings. The only issue that I really had with it was there were some songs where he just he played like five seconds of them. Like he was trying, he was trying to get too much of the catalog in there. Like he, you know, he's he starts playing like the very beginning of Nice and Slow. It's like it's seven o'clock, and it's it. Like we don't, we, we didn't get any of Nice and Slow. Uh, that was kind of annoying. I think he started with Caught Up, which kind of made me surprised too. But if you had to guess. What do you think Rolling Stone says the greatest halftime show of all time is? Oh, I don't know. Maybe the Michael Jackson one? I don't know. Michael Jackson's not up there. Um, I don't see it in the top five. They've got the Prince one oh, okay. yeah. in 2007, which a lot of people really enjoyed. I thought it was, was fantastic. He's playing Purple Rain in the rain, right. all that stuff yeah. going on. They've got that as number one. They've got U2 from 2002 at number two. They've got Beyonce from 2013 at number three. They've got kind of the rap medley. Uh, with with Dr. Dre, Snoop, Eminem, Mary J. Blige, Fifty yeah. Cent, and Kendrick Lamar from a couple years ago at number four, and they've got the Aerosmith, Britney Spears, NSYNC, Nelly, and Mary J. Blige at number five. That was from two thousand one. Mary J. Double double dip in the top five there. Good for her. Good for her. Uh, the viewing numbers. If you're looking at it in terms of viewers, the most watched halftime show. We don't know that what the usher numbers were yet because they have to compile all the the digital numbers and all that stuff. Rihanna last year, most watched halftime show of all time. Wow. Over 121 million people tuned in to watch her. Second was Katy Perry. Third was Lady Gaga. Four was Coldplay. And five was Bruno Mars. I feel like the Bruno Mars halftime show is kind of slept on. I feel like he's... Agreed. Yeah, I mean, you know. Again, not like my favorite all-time musical act of, uh, of all time. But for the moment, for that setting, a um, lot of bangers, a lot of poppy, a lot of catchy hits. And I thought he did a really good job. He's a, he's a hell of a performer. I thought he was great. Michael Jackson's at 14, by the way. Michael Jackson's at 14. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that I remember the Michael Jackson halftime show, because I was I was 10, I was in fourth grade, is that, because it was like the first time where there was like a real halftime show. They used right, to always just right. do marching bands, and he was the first music. Set the tone for the remainder of, uh, of shows. But I'm a kid, like everything, you know, when you're a kid, everything sucks. And Michael Jackson was, he was, he was for the olds a little bit for that period in my life. And I just remember thinking it wasn't good. And like everybody hated it. And it was there's all this negative reaction. And we had pen pals at my school in fourth grade with this school like in Ohio or somewhere. And I remember that he wrote me 
And he said, the halftime show sucked. I agree with you. And it got like edited by his teacher. She had to like white it out and say like, you can't say that. And I thought I was going to get in trouble because he was, the implication was that I had said that it sucked and he was saying he agreed with me. He thought it sucked too. And I definitely did not. And I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna get suspended from school because I wrote sucked, but I didn't actually say it. So that's the one thing that I remember from Michael Jackson's halftime show that was that 10 year olds thought it sucked. So that's I'm opening myself up to all sorts of untouched things. That was an error in judgment. But that's what I remember from. But Usher, um, I enjoyed it. Speaking to people my age, it was fine. Uh, the overall game itself, I mean, again, Super Bowls come down to the way that they end. And I didn't realize – so your brother, uh, WKU Fratty Patty, he texted me earlier in the show. We were talking about the, the, the new overtime rules, the, the clock rules, how nobody really knew how it worked, which is crazy. This is, this is the biggest sport in America, one of the biggest sports in the world, the biggest sporting event in the world outside of the World Cup and, I guess, the Champions League finals. And we still weren't all really sure about how the rules worked at the very end of it. And I was saying on the final drive, me and a bunch of friends, we're like, we're like, does, does, like does it end? When the clock runs out in the first overtime, why are they not more urgent? What's going on here? And Patrick said if they actually had played two complete 15-minute periods, like two quarters, if they played, let's say the Chiefs kick a field goal there and they end up going to quarter number two of overtime and it's tied, nobody scores, they would have like played basically a second half of overtime where the team that uh, that they got the ball, the 49ers, had to kick off to the Chiefs to start the second the second half of the, of the, the overtime. And if they played four full quarters of overtime without deciding a winner, they would have had a coin toss again to basically like start the game over. So basically, you're playing a second game, which I feel like is weird, but whatever. Props to the Chiefs. They got it done. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton sex line. The other sporting event over the, the, the weekend that has been, I guess, controversial. Trey, you're not a golf guy, are you? No, I love golf. Oh, oh you are? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't pay... All too much attention, I won't lie, but I do love golf, yeah. Did you see any of the controversy over the like the, the waste management uh, tournament I, in Phoenix? They're talking about how people were just way too hammered and they were yes. acting like idiots. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this, of course, is the, is the tournament, the one tournament on tour with a real reputation for being just like a party atmosphere. And, and the one tournament that kind of leans into it. It started, Tiger Woods, it already kind of was, was trending this way, but it really got going when Tiger Woods hit the hole-in-one on 16 and... Yeah. Everyone just started throwing their beers in the air. And they've just since then they've embraced. Like 16 is just a full-on party. Yeah. And this weekend it, it, it apparently just went a little bit too much in the direction of party. You you had yeah. fights breaking out everywhere. You had people just passing out everywhere. They stopped serving alcohol at one point on Saturday, and the fans are are, are chanting, give us beer and all this stuff. You have multiple players getting into it with the fans. And it does kind of feel like Phoenix is on the verge, or, or whoever's attending these events, you're on the verge of ruining a good thing. Because I do think golf needs more of this. You see the, a decent amount of the Ryder Cup, which is cool, but this has carved a, a pretty particular niche for itself in the, the calendar year for the PGA Tour of being like, hey, you know, if I've got nothing going on, I want to tune into like the streams of 16 to see somebody hit it close and make right. a birdie. Maybe Joel Damon takes his shirt off. Like all, all this stuff, it's fine. It's, 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 it's so unique. But there does have to be a limit there, and I think that there's a lot of a consensus now that they're running a risk of, of, of breaking that limit. And, like, you, you've got Zach Johnson, who's kind of a knob, like going off on fans who are heckling him. 
Uh, I saw Billy Horschel also. Like, I, I like I defend Billy Ho a little bit more here than than Zach Johnson because he, whoever he was playing with, somebody's just like straight up screaming in his backswing, and he's like he's like he's trying to hit a bleeping shot, man. These are bleeping jobs. Like, give it a break. Zach Johnson is kind of doing the like stop talking. I'm I'm done with it. And he had an interview with a reporter from Phoenix where he talked about it crossed the line this week. You know, th- this is this tournament has been inappropriate and crossed the line since I've been on tour, and this is my 21st year. The bottom line is I don't have to play it if I don't want to, but I keep coming back. Uh, I don't dislike the golf course, but all this stuff. And, and just like kind of like laying into the whole city of Phoenix and, and the golf tournament in general. And I, he's probably not alone. Now, Zach Johnson's kind of a loser. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not the biggest yeah. fan of the entire world. The only thing that I – my only Zach Johnson story is when I worked at the, the newspaper that I spent a, a summer working in in college, it, it was in western Iowa. And they all these people – golf was huge out there. And I had like five different people come up and they're like, you need to know this Zach Johnson guy. He's going to be a huge deal. And it's kind of like whenever you go to like anybody's hometown, they always have this, this athlete who's from that general area who's going to be, and you're like, okay, maybe, whatever. And I think it was the next year or two years later he won the Masters. I was like, those guys knew what they were talking about. But he is, uh, he's kind of, yeah, he's, he's kind of a geek. Like he, just don't play in the tournament if it's going to be that big of a deal to you. But that got a little bit out of control. Over the weekend, and also I hated the fact that it was so delayed, so many days that it it, it leaked into the Super Bowl because it was a great finish. Nick Taylor beats out Charlie Hoffman to win. I know two not big names, but props to the Canadian for getting it done. But it did like it 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 bled over into the start of the Super Bowl, and when the Super Bowl started, I wasn't going to watch the end of the golf tournament, so I had to flip over. But props to Nick Taylor getting it done. Phoenix, get yourselves under control just a little bit, and let's make sure that we don't ruin a good thing on tour. Uh, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. You guys have a billion texts about, is Kenny Payne going to get a third year? Is he going to do uh, you know, just enough to force Josh Hurt's hand? We'll get to those in just a second. But first, we have to do our coaching candidate of the day. It's time. We do this every day. We have a new coaching candidate picked randomly. Um, they will have the palpable buzz surrounding their name for the next day. We've gone really kind of lower-level guys for the last week. We've had some weird... Weird selections. Uh, Trey Ryan, you can pick today. We're going to go any number between 7 and 77. How about that? Uh, Let's do 13. My birthday tomorrow, 13th. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. You said 7 through, you're right, yeah, 13. Yeah. This, this, is a, this is a big name. Uh-oh. We've talked about him before in kind of these jokes, but he's never actually been the official coaching search candidate of the day. Let's hear it. A lot of people are saying, look, Louisville messed up. They hired a guy, never been a head coach before. How could you do that? It was just ties to the program that made it happen. We're Louisville. We're too good for this. There is another major ACC program that made a very similar move. The Duke Blue Devils replaced the legendary Mike Krzyzewski with a guy who'd never been a head coach before. A guy who definitely would not have been a candidate for the job had he not played and coached at Duke. We're talking, of course, about second-year Duke head coach John Shire, who has the Blue Devils in a good spot right now. Maybe not living up to their preseason top three billing, but 18-5 and five overall, 9-3 and three in the ACC, very much trending towards being a top four, top five seed in the NCAA tournament that can make, uh, make some noise there. But maybe... Maybe he doesn't, he doesn't want to live in Coach K's shadow. Maybe two years in Durham is enough for him. 
Maybe he wants to make a jump to a program that needs him more. A program like the University of Louisville. There's palpable buzz, folks, that Josh Hurd and John Shire, there's mutual interest there. And that's why John Shire is your coaching candidate of the day. Boom. Put him on the list. 25 names on the list now. One of these coaches will be the next Louisville men's head basketball coach, unless it's Kenny Payne who gets year three. All right, 502-414-1450. Texter says, have you ever noticed how coach search talk goes down after every win? It automatically goes to, I fear Kenny Payne may get a year three. Talk. This is exactly what happens on the show now. We've been, at, after every single game for the first two and a half months of the season, people wanted to talk a little bit about the game. We would we, you know, we, we'd share our anger together, and then it would immediately just go into like, hey, Nate Oates is looking good at Alabama. What's up with Mick Cronin at UCLA? What's Eric Musselman's buyout? Like everyone just wanted to talk coaching search candidates. And now we're very much in this rhythm where when they lose, it goes right back to that. People are talking about, you know, what what the contract situation is with Dusty May at Florida Atlantic and all this stuff. And when they win, we're just flooded with I'm worried about Kenny getting a, a third year talk. Like that's it's the whole show now, basically. And I get it, but <laughs> it's it is getting very, very repetitive. And once again, all we can do, you know, we are a month from today, a month from today is the first day of the ACC tournament. I think we're going to win a game. I've said that already. But there's a chance that a month from today, season will be over. I think they'll be playing. If, if they're the 15 seed, they'll play the early game, which will be going on right now. And we'll be sitting here talking about, is he going to keep him? Is he going to go? Like, well, We'll have our answer. We're getting, we're inching closer and closer. I think everybody just wants to know at this point. Everyone wants to know what the next step is. If it's retaining Kenny Payne, okay. Let's go out there. Let's get the best roster we can. And who knows? Maybe the whole, the, the whole of us will be wrong. The bulk of us will be wrong. We'll all be sitting here saying, we I can't believe we we're ready to fire this guy. He's rolling in year three. Maybe we'll be looking for a new head coach but we're a month away. Tecker says, I enjoyed Usher's performance. However, I'm disappointed that he didn't bring out Plies to perform Daddy's Home and R. Kelly for Same Girl. Well, there's a problem there. Texas every era or decade has featured a local kid being a fan favorite on the men's team from Griff to Wheat to O'Bannon, Tim Henderson, Dwayne Sutton, David Johnson, and now Glenn. Yeah, I mean, it, Look, the the program, when it's been at its best, has always featured local kids. It's been, I mean, you know, it was more so a thing back in the 70s and the 80s. But even, I mean, the 90s teams that I first started following as a kid that I fell in love with, you had Dewan Wheat, you had Jason Osborne. Um, you know, you, there was always some local flair there. And then in recent years, I mean, you've had, I, I think there's been kind of, an uptick recently. Quentin Snyder, who we just talked about last week, having his number retired at Ballard, was certainly an integral part in those teams from um, you know, 2015 through the, the the unfortunate end in 2018. Dwayne Sutton, manual product. Race Balding from Trinity. Um, there's you know, Tim Henderson. David Levitch is local-ish. North Holden, North, 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 North Holden counts. We'll claim him, sure. There's been a nice local flair recently, and it's been fun to see. And Caleb Glenn now keeping it going. 
Texas says, so you're still riding. Chris, come on, man. Yes. Texas says, uh, Usher was second only to Prince. They're crazy. These critics are just like KPs. They just don't know the business. <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there was very much a Shooter McGavin vibe at the Wasteman. When, when the Zach Johnson interaction with the fan was very it reeked of, uh, of Shooter McGavin. Damn you people. This is golf. A rock concert. Go back to your shanties. Texture says, imagine how good we could be with Karan Davis, free Karan. What if Karan Davis is really good? What if he was the star that CL Brown's writing about that we just don't have right now? You know, he still goes to classes. I have I have, I have one of my 930s with him, and he's there every day. Hold on. This is you. How have you been holding out on this info with us for a long time? We're obsessed with Karan Davis in the show. <laughs> I'm sorry. You have class know. with him? Yeah. Yeah. I have. It's it's a uh, sport marketing. I have sport marketing at 930s on Mondays and Wednesdays with Karan Davis. I see him. Or no, sport management. But yeah, I see him every Monday and Wednesday. He's there every time. He's usually late, but he's there. Is he upbeat? You know, I didn't say much, you know. Um, we were actually talking about the Kenny Payne thing, like, in class one day, and it was kind of awkward because he was, like, just shitting right there. And, like, he, I guess they're still honoring his scholarship. So, I don't know. But he still goes to class. He's still that, there. It's, that would have to be really, really it's weird, It's so too. weird. It's so weird because he, like, obviously isn't on the team, but he's still going to class. It's so weird. I, I think – Patrick was saying one in like one of his classes first semester, like he and some of the baseball guys were talking about how embarrassing basketball was. Yeah, and they realized like Danilo Yovanovich yep. was sitting right, yep. Yep, yep, yep. sitting right there, like listening. Yeah. And he got kind of butthurt too. And it was and then because this was before really anything had like started, so and he was kind of butthurt about it. And we were like, eh, I don't really know if you know what you're in here for here, buddy. Yeah, Karan. I mean, Karan Davis. He's been he goes to the games for God's it's sake. It's crazy. It's so weird. I really do want to know. Hopefully somebody will reach out to him and do it. I, I would love to get him on the radio show. I'll, I'll try again. I tried to I messaged him in the middle of the Quran Madness Day when he got kicked off the team and was was tweeting and stuff, and he never said anything back. I would love to get him on the show after the season's over. Well, I'll try to corner him one day in class. Please do. Yeah, he can't. Uh, he can't really say no to me. And, well, he can't. He can't say no, but he can't run away from the conversation if I corner him after class one day. So I'll work on that for you. Like I want to know what his thinking is right now. Is he like? Because he clearly he said in in his sort of statement, pseudo statement when. It came out that he'd been dismissed from the program. Like, like I love U of L. I want to stay here. I want to be here. And I don't know if he's like holding out hope that the new head coach is going to keep him on the team or bring him back to the team, or if Kenny Payne's going to, if he gets a year three, he's going to have a change of heart, or if he just doesn't have another option. Because again, like we gave him a scholarship. Like nobody else was was recruiting this kid. No. So I don't know if he can't find a new home. If he, he, but he never entered his name in the portal. He never did anything like that. It's a very, very strange situation, and I really, really want to know what's going on. You would think if you're him, you would want to stay here at all costs, because like you said, it's not like he has like a bunch of options. So. And, and if, if that is the case, then I do feel even more sorry for him, because, and again, like, I, I say that. I don't know exactly the ins and the outs of what led to him being kicked off the team, but if it's as simple as, like, I realized my dream of playing major college basketball, this is all I ever wanted, and now... Like nobody else wants me. I've got no other options, and I just have to stay here. Like I, I do hate that for him, yeah. and I hope that whatever happens works out for the best for him moving forward. Because, like you know, whether it's here or somewhere else, I'd love to see him get a chance to play Division One college basketball if that's something that he really, like, that was his dream. Texture says, uh, "Well, of course they aren't recruiting for next year, Mike. I don't know if you've heard about this new transfer portal thing, but I think this could be a game changer if used properly. And KP has made it known that he's aware of it." And is going to use it next year. Yeah, 
I mean, we'll see how that goes. Hoping for the best. Hoping for the- Balloon Glow, get him in here, KP. That's how you got Trey White. Bring them all in next year for the Balloon Glow. You'll be loaded up. Texture says the unfortunate truth is that if we win about four more games than probably two ACC tourney games, KP gets a year three, and it is what it is. I'm absolutely opposed, but it'll happen, man. I'm enjoying the boys winning, though, still. Look, nobody knows this. We like Everybody is talking in absolute. It, to to kind of go along with something we were just talking about, it reminds me of when people were talking about Karan Davis during the offseason. You know, like, every now and then, somebody would just tweet out something outrageous, like, I know. Everyone's saying Karan Davis isn't a point. He's a point guard, folks. I'm like, how do you know? You've never watched this kid play. We have no idea how he's going in practice. And by the way, the only things that I hear are, are secondhand, and it sounds like it's not going great in practice. So every time someone would make some sort of definitive statement about Karan Davis, you, you just had to be like, how in the world do you know when nobody else who's not in the gym knows anything about this kid's game? And right now... Everyone's talking about what Josh Hurd is or isn't going to do. And, you know, Josh Hurd's mind's already made up. Kenny Payne could win out and he's not going to come back for another year. Or if he wins three more games, he's definitely going to come. Nobody knows. We have no idea what Josh Hurd's thinking. We have no idea what his bar is. We have no idea what's going on. We we, we have no idea. And anybody who tells you they do is lying to your face. Texture says... They spent over $100 million on those Jesus commercials. They could have maybe fed homeless people with that money like Jesus would have. Your advertisers love those. Yeah. Uh, They're actually run by a a company who is, well, that's not our company, but yes, to your point, I agree. The money could have been better served. Texture says, someone needs to ask CL if a new star would be coached on how to play defense. It's my biggest holdup right now. We talked about the hypothetical of if Louisville won every game left in the season besides Duke and then won a game or two in the conference tournament. If you could buy into a year three of Kenny Payne. And on, on the surface, it's a remarkable turnaround. It, there's no on the surface. It, it would be a remarkable turnaround. My primary holdup with any sequence of events that results in Kenny Payne and this staff sticking around here for another year is that the defense isn't getting better. Now, if we win some of these games, like with the defense looking markedly better, sure, but that typically is not going to happen this late in the season. Again, this is the last month of, of the of the season. You don't see teams go from being woefully inept on defense to being good after you know, three months of doing it one way and then just magically turning it the other way. It's not going to happen. And defense is a lot about coaching. Proper defensive stance, the right system, knowing when to switch, knowing when to ice, knowing when to do whatever, knowing when to tag. Like We don't seem to ever know what to do. And that's concerning because we saw the exact same thing last year. And I think now you have the red flag of it's not necessarily the, the, the pieces that he's working with, it's that he can't coach defense. And if you can't coach defense, you're never going to win at a high level. Never going to win championships. Never going to go to a Final Four. Never going to be an elite team. You're just not. And it's like, it's great that the offense is playing better. It's great that this talent is, is starting to come to the surface. It's, it's very admirable that this team has not folded their tent. That all these guys are playing hard. The bench is into games. 
All that stuff is wonderful. If they don't ever get better defensively, it's never going to work here. Texture says, um, it's amazing that nobody has been killed during the stampede to 16 when the gates open. Yeah, those videos from over the weekend, and even going back to like Thursday and Friday, were outrageous. Like the the mad dash to the seats at 16. And then some of the, I saw someone like one of the videos on like, like Zyra Golf or something on Instagram was like, oh yeah, come to the waste management people. So that'll be a great time. And it looked miserable. Like every beer line is just wall to wall people. It's just way too much. Like people have turned it into like a lot of bachelor parties go there. A lot of people from big Midwestern cities make it a weekend where they go out there. Like it's very much become a destination event. And I think it's become, they're going to have to do something, whether it's, dialing back the numbers of people that they let onto the grounds or whatever, or just limiting alcohol intake. But like, it's just, it looked a little bit out of control this weekend. The weather I'm sure didn't help either. Um, all right, let's take our last break. When we come back, we'll read as many texts as we can. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton sex line. We'll get to you guys. And then we'll look ahead to the night that will be in sports. Big Monday is back in college basketball. So we'll give you some big X, big bets. All that coming your way next here on 1450 and 961, the big X. My pet peeve is a camera in my face. Have you ever heard of personal space? I walk around town in a hoodie and some shades, but now they starting to recognize the shades. Even if you hate me, you would trade. You would live this life too, cause I got it made. I like my bed made, soon enough I'll have it made. When I buy a house, every service gonna be swayed. But for now, Final segment here of the Monday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show, 1450 The Big X. Uh, it's chilly out there again, but it's not... I almost died when I saw yesterday in the beginning of the day that we had a winter weather advisory for tonight. I, I wasn't going to be able to take it. They called off the winter advisory, thankfully, but it was, I mean, I was, I was doing some quick yard stuff yesterday in the afternoon and I was like, I, I need to go put shorts on. I'm like sweating. And then by the time I, I walked the dog a few hours later, I'm back to wearing like full coat and beanie and it, you know, it was, it was chilly, but to get snow and stuff tonight after it was like 65 for so much of last week would have been too much to take. But it is cold out there. Thankfully, no snow. Thankfully, no winter weather. But I think Scoots was saying last week that he like he knows some sort of like meteorologist or saw some meteorologist saying that we, we're going to get several days of snow before winter finally breaks. It's just it, the older I get, the more I'm ready for just winter to, to be done very quickly. Uh, I'm over it. I'm ready for spring. Let me get outside. Let me have some fun. Let's all enjoy the, the, the vitamin D from the sun. That's all. It didn't mean for that to rhyme, but okay. Um, I'm, I'm ready for it to be done. For the love of God, give us spring. The 502 Circle, the UofL Collective, is going to be hosting another Flash give event, Giveaway event this weekend following a highly successful debut at the Notre Dame football game. Remember, they flashed the, you know, the here's where to give message on the big scoreboard as Louisville was winning the game and about fans were about to storm the field. The UofL Athletics and 502 Circle are teaming up again this weekend to have another NIL flash gift promotion at the women's basketball game against Virginia Tech. Uh, that game's going to be this Sunday. 
During halftime, fans at the matchup of the two top 25 teams are going to be prompted to consider giving to 502 Circle. The challenge will be for Card Nation to raise as much money as possible for Cardinal student-athletes during halftime. They'll have QR codes and a direct link to 502circle.com backslash give that will be shared in the venue during halftime. And information on how to give will also be available on flyers that will be found on the seats around the KFCM Center. Fans can easily and quickly complete payment for their gift by credit card or Apple Pay. Louisville will take on Virginia Tech Sunday at 2 o'clock on uh, ESPN. We'll have the national TV coverage. The Hokies, this will be a rematch of last year's ACC tournament championship game. The Hokies currently number one in the ACC. Cards just one game behind them looking to even up that ground. Sunday, 2 o'clock, February 18th at the Yum Center. Get out there, and if you can, give a little bit of dough to 502 Circle. All right, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton text line. We're going to run through as many of your texts as we can before the end of the show. you get about 20 minutes to get those thoughts in, and then we'll make some big X, big bets for this evening. Texture says, the one Super Bowl halftime show that I remember everyone hating was the Black Eyed Peas in 2011. Yeah, it was bad. The Black Eyed Peas had a very, there was like a very brief period of time where I think they were, they were cool and socially accepted as like cool mainstream artists, and then very quickly they became just not cool. They also like they were. I remember them from the old box days where they were a, a, like a, kind of like the Roots, like a primary, just like old school, very much thought provoking hip hop group, and then they went out and got Fergie and tried to go mainstream and then started doing you know. Let's get it started, in here, and stuff like that. And people kind of started hating them. Texas, I'm pretty positive you have unintentionally included a who is sick and what they are sick with segment in your family at least once a week for maybe the existence of the show. Yeah, probably. It's bad. It's terrible. It's not just us, though. Like, it's Virginia, there was a post today on the little app that her school uses. Like, her class has 15 kids and nine of them were out sick today. So it's it's just everywhere. This, like, super flu is a thing. Like, I think John's class has a bunch of kids that are sick. It's... It's 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 bad. Texas, I always assumed that Cal and KP would reunite next season. I just didn't think it'd be at Louisville. Bring him over. Bring him over. Trey, would you accept John Calipari as the next U of L men's basketball coach? <laughs> no. No, I don't think so. I would. But at this the, point, I'm fine with it. <laughs> at this point, it can't be worse. It can't be, and I, I think you also. You bring into play the, the the possibility of like Cal coming here and winning more national titles in Louisville than he did at Kentucky, which would be the funniest bleeping thing that's ever happened in the history of this rivalry. Um, so I would be all for it. And if he sucks after a few years, we can just you know, get rid of him and move on. Texas, I'm hearing that Billy Donovan's in the mix. I'm not. <laughs> there was like, and again, I don't know how these things work, but like the. The contingent that this is not like U of L sources or anything like that, but the contingent of college basketball reporters or college basketball inside people that I know some of them and they'll they'll, they'll kind of get the buzz going. Sometimes I hear this second or third hand from people, like you know a few weeks ago it was like the the Musselman talk was heating up and you know, it's it's just kind of it, there's always a new hot name and who knows if it's actually stemming from anything. But over the weekend, it was very much Dusty May talk was the you you might you might want to familiarize yourself. With this story on Dusty May, like just saying Dusty May, I'm like okay, like I, I, this has been going on for like three years now, and, and almost 100 percent of the time it never materializes into anything. You don't know how much of it's true, but that was the the buzz this weekend for sure. 
Texas Mike, these TV smashing vids are getting faker and faker from these 49ers fans. Yeah, the, the have you have you noticed this trend on on it's been going on for a while. This isn't unique to this year. But there are these videos that are very clearly set up where angry sports fans will like flip out and just like smash their TVs to bits. Have you seen these? Yeah, I've seen them, yeah. You're not fooling anybody. Well, I guess you are fooling people or else they wouldn't be getting so much attention. But they're it's always set up. It's always obvious that they're like this person's just filming, like just happens to be filming, and they start smashing the TV. Like, come on. You're wasting a perfectly good TV. Although TVs aren't that expensive anymore, but still. It's you can almost always tell where it's completely fake. I don't, yeah, just just yeah, come on. Do something else. Texture says there's subtle rumors that Karan actually wants to stay and is holding out hope that to possibly stay with the team if the new head coach keeps him. Yeah. I don't blame him. I mean, I have no idea. Like, if you have a new head coach who comes in, like Rick Patino went into St. John's and was like, nobody on this team that finished second to last in the Big East is good enough to play here anymore. Like, we're getting rid of everybody besides Joel Soriano and bringing an entirely new roster. If a coach comes in with that mentality, they're probably not bringing Karan Davis back. Like, again, Karan Davis was a Juco with no recruiting footprint anywhere. He did not look very good in the very small amount of time that we saw him on the floor in the red-white scrimmage in the first exhibition game that we lost to Wesleyan. So I'm not sure that, that you know, maybe he'll get a chance to plead his case. But if, if the new coaching staff's coming in here and they're like, we want a total paradigm shift, we want to just go in a, a totally different direction – Maybe two or three of you can stay. I can't imagine Karan Davis is going to be on that list, but who knows? I think he's probably just trying to plan out what his next move is. Texture says, first-time listener, long-time texter, what do you think Mahomes is hiding at the top of his giant helmet? Is his helmet that big? His forehead probably about the only... His forehead's big. He's got the... Yeah. yeah. I mean, his helmet did shatter earlier this season, which was weird, but I don't know. Texas says, Trey's a man of few words, except when he's talking about cluckers. <laughs> you love cluckers. I do love cluckers. He's a big fan. I do love cluckers. Tex- I, was actually, I was at my parents' Sorry to interrupt you. I was at You're my good. parents' house yesterday, literally just, not just for, obviously I'm seeing them, but that was a big part of the reason I was there. Because they, they had cluckers? Yeah. My God. This guy it's just he does stuff. nothing. He's good he's, stuff, man. You're a company man. When hey, you get a Trey Ryan endorsement, it's through and through. There's nothing fake about it. No. Texture says, I like CL Brown, but he's obviously trying to get hits with a few of his comments. Let's see the se- let's let the season play out. If the team wins seven or eight more games, he likely deserves a year three. I, I think, I mean, CL's a I, I really like CL a lot personally. I've known him a, a little bit for the last like 15 years, I would say. And I'm I'm a fan. I, I enjoy him. He's always been great to me. Never had a problem with him. I also respect the fact that it's tough to get a lot of to, to get page views in a season around here where things are so bad. The fan interest has waned. You see it in the attendance numbers. You also see it in website numbers, podcast listens, all that stuff. Like it, it, it affects things. And as much as a coaching search can drive traffic and, and get people's attention, there's a limit to it. We just did this two years ago, and I think everyone kind of knew after December that we had like three months to wait. So people are just waiting to see what's next. And – if you're CL Brown and you're the columnist of the Courier Journal, like Louisville basketball is sort of your bread and butter. Like 
You're going to write about Kentucky. Yes, that's going to generate eyeballs around here. You're going to write about Louisville football. But Louisville basketball has driven the sports media landscape in this city for as long as I've been alive and, and for some time before that. And so when you miss out on getting big-time traffic in these months, it's tough to really make up for that. And so, yeah, do, do I think that he's writing some things that probably is he's just trying to generate some extra views? Do I think he's getting pressured by his bosses to generate some views? Yeah, for sure. Um, and... I think that's that's it. But he's not he's not alone. Like everyone's trying to find out new ways to cover this team. I'm I'm thankful that I'm in a position where the website, if it, you know, I my my payment is not directly tied to how well the website's doing. I'm fortunate in that regard, so I don't have to just like make up stuff to make sure that we hit a one million page view quota on, on this particular month. But I get it if you are. A lot of people are, are in that boat. They're very much pressured if the the website numbers aren't great. The the social numbers aren't great and all that stuff. It takes a toll, for sure. Texas, big no on Calipari. He's lost his fire. I can't stand him. He's a jackass blowhard. Well, there you go. Besides that, though, I did like the video that one of the KSR guys did of every shot that Kentucky's had like since the 2020-2021 the season. They've had 27 opportunities to either tie a game or take the lead in the final 30 seconds, like the last possession of a game, and they're one of 27, I think which is an insane miss rate. But it's definitely becoming a thing now where they just they can't do anything right in the final possessions of games. And even if you go back to like when they were really good, I do kind of feel like that was a thing. Like They didn't have a ton of last-second shots. The, the one that stands out, the one that I remember, is his very first year, the DeMarcus Cousins, the, the tip-in, I guess, in the conference tournament that sent it to overtime when they beat, I think it was Mississippi State. Um Besides that, like I guess John Wall hit a buzzer beater in his first game back against Miami of Ohio. The end of game execution has just not been not been good for them. I think the bigger issue is the defense, but the end of game stuff is also is also a big time deal. Texas says that one texter forgot the Calipari nickname. I can't say that. I can't do it. I can't say it. Why is my text not loading here? I don't know why I'm like my text line's not loading. It's being kind of weird on my computer. So. Yeah, it's, uh, it's like I've got all these unread texts and I can't find them. Uh, texture says Kansas or Texas Tech tonight. Well, we can go ahead. We can jump ahead. It's, it's uh, big Monday. This is the first. You're gonna see all these stories written this week. I'm writing one for tomorrow about hey, the NFL's over, the Super Bowl's over, the next big sporting event when it comes to American sports is the NCAA tournament. And this would always be the time when I was doing the college basketball stuff full time, where your bosses would turn to you, and I, I would feel like we've done like really good stuff from November and December and January, and the first couple of weeks I'm like, you know, and they they basically be like, okay, what have you guys been doing for the last four months? What do we need to know about college? Let's talk about coverage. What are we doing for the next like seven weeks? And this is when people started to pay attention, and that kind of kicks off in earnest tonight. And you've got two pretty good games. I mean, you got a Wake Forest team at seven o'clock that's on the bubble. That's been pretty convincing when they've won big, but still needs some some signature victories with an opportunity to get one of those on the road, taking on number nine Duke at seven o'clock. And then you've got Kansas, who still very much is a, I guess, national title contender, uh, on the road taking on a Texas Tech team that just a couple of weeks ago was leading the Big Twelve and now has fallen on a little bit of hard times. Um, Texas Tech is a three and a half point home favorite. I don't like it at all. I don't like it in that spot. I'm not going to say Kansas money line, but I'm I'm going to bet Kansas to cover the three and a half. I feel good about that. 
McCullers not playing tonight. Kevin McCullers out. I still feel like Kansas three and a half is the best bet. That's what I'm going with there. That's my answer to your question. Um, where are all these texts that just will not pop up? This is frustrating. I'm gonna have to reload here real quick. Boom. Okay. No, I can't say that. I I don't know. Why do you think I could say moose bleeps? I can't say that word. You can't. It's not. It's not gonna happen. Uh, Texas says. Favorite Super Bowl of all favorite Trey, do you have a favorite Super Bowl of all time? As a, oh. as a not a, a Packers game, but I guess one where you were like an impartial viewer. Oh, the Seahawks one when they messed it up was was fun. I like that one just because it was like they just looked so stupid, and it was funny. It was memorable, yeah, for sure. But I mean, that's not really my favorite one, but that's probably just like the most memorable one. Um, I remember my my very people always talk about like you know what's your your first your earliest memory, right? My earliest memory of all time was we lived in a because a smaller house with like we had like two rooms in this house. It was me, my older brothers, and then my younger sister for a brief period when she was born. And I've got just like a handful of I think we moved when I was four. I've got a handful of memories from this house, and one of them is the Broncos uh, Washington Super Bowl, and I guess that was 1988. And I remember I was cheering for the Broncos because. They their their colors look like Hawaiian Punch, and I was a big Hawaiian Punch fan. And we were walking across the street to our neighbors to go watch it, and they scored the first ten points, I think. And I was like, "All right, let's do it." And then Washington scored the next forty two, and they won forty two to ten. Uh, Doug Williams, the first black quarterback to ever win the Super Bowl, so that was a memorable Super Bowl. Not my favorite, but it's like the first one that I actually remember. I remember the Niners Bengals game. Um, I. I secretly I was really into the Cardinals Steelers game. Like that was a great game in two thousand I guess eight. Patriots Rams would be the other one. Went with a you know, everyone thought the Rams were gonna roll. Patriots won. Start of the Brady era, Spygate, all that stuff. Greatest show on turf going down. That'd probably be my answer. As an impartial viewer. Super Bowl, whatever that was. Patriots twenty, Rams seventeen. I was in high school. Things resonated more back then. Texas UofL opening line tomorrow is plus eight and a half. Hmm. I kind of like the cards. Am I wrong? And like, again, like we'll talk more about the game tomorrow. But Louisville's never had like Chestnut Hill's not an intimidating place to play. Louisville's been not great on the road. Obviously, they've only got one road win under, under Kenny Payne. They're, they haven't been getting blown out in road games recently. They've played well in road games since the Wake Forest debacle. They should have won the Syracuse game. They had a chance to win the Clemson game the week before that. Boston College, again, look at them on paper. Quentin Post is a great player. He's a mismatch for us. He's going to be tough for us to slow down. Besides that, like I think we're better than them in every position. We're more talented than in every position. I say all this, and, and I'm sure that we're going to wind up losing by like 17 tomorrow, but I'm not going to bet on the game because this team is unpredictable and, and whoever they play is unpredictable and they suck defensively and you never know how a team's going to shoot. But I think that feels like a small number. I kind of like it. I kind of would roll the cards there if that was me. Texas says the Giants knocking off the undefeated Patriots was fantastic. In hindsight, I do kind of hate it because Eli ended up winning another one and it sucks that Randy Moss never got a ring. That was a great game. 
I can't pick it because I said earlier, I think last week, that I actually turned that game off for a period to watch a live episode of The Wire in the last season because that's how into The Wire I was. And then I flipped back and watched the uh, the last like three minutes of the game. Texas says, so is the Fazoli's on Hurstbourne actually who's bankrolling our football NIL? Yeah, 100%. That's <laughs> I've seen so much stuff about the Fazoli's on, on Hurstbourne today. Texas says, Sky has a broken rib, according to CardChronicle.com. Are we reporting that? I'm not saying that. Oh, this is from CDK. Well, CDK would know. He says, uh, the last time CD Kaplan broke something like this, it was about Tyler Johnson being cleared, and Louisville ended up confirming it like an hour later. But CDK says, there's been no official word from UofL. I've not been able to confirm the information yet, but I am advised by someone who has discussed the situation with Sky Clark himself that the Louisville guard has suffered a broken rib. I've had one. They are very painful and debilitating. The hits just keep coming on for UofL hoops. I shall update when more information becomes available. Well, that's not good. I guess that would be the injury that kept him out of the game against Florida State. Now, if if you want to feel if there's a silver lining here, Louisville played pretty well without him against Florida State, so maybe they could do it again. And he played great against Syracuse. This was probably the best game that he's played this entire season when he scored 23 points and, and almost single-handedly willed us in the final minutes of that game to overtime. So I, I think you need Sky Clark. You also, I mean... The kid's played hard this entire season. He hasn't he hasn't shot it particularly well, um, but he's he's done what's been asked of him. I've liked the way that he's played. I think sometimes he makes really head scratching decisions, kind of some selfish moves. But for the most part, um, he's been put in a bad situation. He's done the best he can. So I hope that that's either not true or something that he can play through. But that is uh, that CDK putting it out there that Sky Clark broken rib. That's not that's not ideal. Texas says once again. Another person saying, if we win at least five games out of these last seven, they're absolutely going to give Josh Hurd another year. We we don't know that. We we just we don't know that. Texas says we really need to fix the lights around the Ali Center parking garage. Okay. Texas says, yeah, CL has been in town for fifteen minutes, and now he's the one that will decide Kenny's fate. Everyone freak out. He knows. Texas says, Louisville fan living in Boston here, and I will be attending the game tomorrow, so I want to ask, could be, could BC be a Zan Payne game? Sure. Zan is just... I, I think Zan's teammates appreciate the way that he plays, but there is just no respect from Zan's teammates when we have the ball on offense. Like This man's open the entire time on every half-court possession, and you got guys out there who aren't even thinking about giving the ball. Um, <laughs> I'm Team Zan. Light it up in, in Chestnut Hill, Zan. Let's make it happen. Texas, our fan base is so desperate and beaten down that we will talk ourselves into year three of KP instead of doing the uncomfortable thing and starting over again. Do we have any indication that Josh has the authority to make this call? His interim plan was scrapped from on high, so why would we believe it wouldn't happen again? I, I don't know. Again, I, I don't know. I understand the fear. I still, if you ask me to put a percentage on it, I still think it's like 95% that, that Kenny Payne's gone after this year. I really, I, I do. But that 5% looms pretty large out there, and I get why the fear is out there. I, I think the, I, I think we feel like we've all been just wasting the past 12 months of our lives because 
while some people hoped that this was going to be a, a better year, as we started to see the roster being assembled, I think we all knew this was going to go poorly. And it was just a question of how poorly it was going to be so bad that we had to bring somebody in. And when you just feel like you're spinning your wheels, it's, I mean, we're all, we haven't been, we haven't been to the NCAA tournament since 2019. This has been a brutal stretch of time for us as fans. There's never been anything like this. And the idea of just spending another 12 months with a guy that we don't think can get it done just so we can get the definitive, absolute, 100% proof that he's not the guy and then starting all over again with somebody else and having diminished expectations. We're talking about like 2026, 2027 before we have a chance to be good again in that hypothetical. And I think that's terrifying. And I think that's why everyone's so scared. We want to be good again next year or at least good-ish again next year. And I don't think there's a whole lot of faith in Kenny Payne's ability to make that happen. So I get it. Texture says we got uh, Trilly Donovan saying, I had another reliable person tell me this morning that must to Louisville is done. Came from a coach on the West Coast that is close with people at Louisville still a few weeks ago, but it's very much trending in that direction, in my opinion. There you go. Dusty May and Eric Musselman definitely going to be the next uh, head coach. Apparently Trilly Donovan said that in his private Discord. He's been, I mean, Trilly's been saying this to people for a while there, that he's hearing it's going to be Musselman for a long time. I, I don't know if there's any truth to that. I don't know if they Dusty May stuff. There's any truth to it. I, I don't know. I, all I know is that everybody who's telling me this, this sort of thing has been wrong about things in the past. So, yeah. Terry says, hey, Mike, on the off chance that he's listening, can you please let the drunk septuagenarian who ripped the T-shirt out of my kid's hands at the game on Saturday know that he's a total douche? You are a total. If you're that type of person, if you're ripping the, you know, you know, it drives me crazy when you have like hockey games, like a player will clearly be throwing a puck to a kid, and some like adult man or adult woman will come over and take it, or a foul ball at a baseball game. Like, let the kids have the stuff, for God's sake. Let the kids have. I mean, I, I always go. I, I, Trevor said he's the opposite. Trevor wants to rip away home runs from from the arms of small children. I, I said whenever I went to games. I always would like see a kid sitting around me, and I'm like, okay, if I if I catch a home run ball or a foul ball, like I'm giving the ball to that kid. And now with my own kids, I'm keeping it for them. But give the ball to the kids. Come on, for God's sake, make it happen. Texas, maybe it's just me, but does it look like Coach Walls has a dip in our maybe a nicotine pouch? Any idea? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, all right, uh, tonight we've got a couple games. We mentioned the big Monday games, Duke. Hosting Wake Forest tonight, Duke is a seven and a half point favorite. I'm gonna say Wake covers that spread. I think Wake's gonna play them close tonight. Not picking them to win, but give me the Blue Devils to win but not cover. I'm also gonna say Texas Tech beats Kansas tonight at home, but does not cover. The two road uh, dogs don't win, but they do cover the spread. We also have West Virginia on the road taking on TCU. TCU is a twelve and a half point favorite. That's a big, big margin. West Virginia got blasted over the weekend. I'm going to say TCU does win and cover. There you go. Uh, I'll post some actual Big X Big Bets on Twitter before we get the action going tonight. Everyone stay. Uh, <laughs> everyone enjoy your, your Monday nights. We're back tomorrow at 3 o'clock, barring some sort of crazy health. I'm back to the flu house. It's going to be great. Go Cards. See you guys tomorrow. Baby, I'm coming home. I know the kids miss me. I need some time with my friends to sip whiskey. I spent the last 12 months locked in, but tonight I'm content with existing. 2015, we was on that Penn Griffey. I wanted what he had, but the shoes didn't fit me. Not a city with me, and I.